Welcome to the 225th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on March 24th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And 50% of this here show with me is the man who's rocking the biggest gas tank in the wasteland, Carlos Rodella. That's me. It's gas tank three. <laughs> upgrade, upgrade. Dude, that's the first thing I did in this game that we're about to talk about on this whole podcast is upgrade my gas tank. Upgrade the gas tank. What game are we talking about, folks? If you're a regular listener, then you already know that this is our special dedicated to just one game, A2Z Spoiler Cast for Days Gone from Sony Ben Studio. We're going to be talking just about that game. We are going to be talking about our experiences. Carlos and I have both finished it. We've been talking about it for several episodes. I think we're both kind of like semi in love with it. So this is our giant wrap up where we're going to be talking about the good, the bad, the highs, the lows, everything about it. Um, in case you're diving for your stop button or anything like that, um, we're going to start the show with non-spoilery content. I actually stole this format from the Experience Points podcast. Shout out to Scott Juster and George Albor. I'm a huge fan of their show. I think they run a real tight ship. I'm a big fan. Um, so I will send you guys each five bucks if you're listening and you're mad. But I'm going to steal your, your format because I like what you do, and I'm going to do it here. So what we're going to do, uh, again, starting with the basics, mechanics, uh, just the, the general stuff of the game, the gameplay, how it works. Uh, and then once we cover the basics, uh, Carlos and I will put up a huge spoiler warning for story content. There's a lot of story in this game, a lot of twists and turns, yeah. a lot of stuff that you don't want to be spoiled on. So we will be 100% super crystal clear before we get to any spoilers. So right now you're safe. There will be no spoilers. It's okay to listen. And then if you're planning to play this game later, we definitely recommend it. I'm sure you'll like to play along and then come back and listen to the show later. So we will give you a big warning and you can just hit pause, come back to it after you finish the game, probably like 80 hours later. And then you can see what we said about the second half. <laughs> yeah, basically. All right, well, let's hit the non-spoiler content. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to, I guess, where do we start? Start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. This is Days Gone, the open world, third person, I mean, adventure, post-apocalyptic, created by Ben Studio, who are now a subsidiary of Sony. They are based in Oregon, which is coincidentally where this game takes place. I wonder how they got the idea for that. Uh, for people who are not familiar with Ben Studios, uh, I'm actually a fan of theirs uh, before I ever came to Days Gone. Did, were you familiar with them beforehand, Carlos? I wasn't, but then you told me the games they worked on, and I, I, I think I played all of them. Um, what did they work on again? So I, went, I did a little bit of research. I know that we don't generally do that, but since we're only what? talking about one game, I know, I know. I felt like maybe I should do a little bit. So I was actually pretty surprised their first game. Bubsy 3D. What? I would have never guessed that. That was under a different company name. They were Idetic back then, before they became Bend. Uh, but most of the core crew were there. They did Bubsy 3D. Uh, had, I guess, pretty good success with that. Then they went on to uh, create Siphon Filter. Uh, that yes. was actually pretty popular on the PS1 and and forward. Did you play the Siphon Filter game? Yeah, I games? played that. That's great. But by the way, we have to back up for a minute. Isn't Bubsy yeah. 3D one of the worst games ever made? I think I, it is. I think it is. I yeah. think it is. <laughs> yeah, I so let's, let's just nix that out of their historical thing. Yeah, I mean, different company, but I think it's really interesting to think that the people, a lot of the people who made Days Gone got their start with Bubsy 3D. That's crazy. That is, that is insane crazy talk. Well, y'all got to get your start somewhere. 
Exactly, exactly. So they went on to make Siphon Filter, which was supposed to be kind of a James Bond, stealthy, Metal Gear sort of a thing, starring super spy Gabe Logan. Um, the first game, I think I've played all of them. The first game was real rough, and i got to be honest, I didn't care for it much, but I came back to the series with Siphon Filter 2, and it was much better, and then I was kind of hooked. And i got to be honest, those games are actually pretty fucking good. Do you you enjoy those ones, Carlos? I remember playing the first one. Was it PS1, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and I wasn't, I wasn't like, blown away at anything like that. It was, you know, interesting and, and, and stealthy, but nothing that I really remembered. It kind of reminds me of Days Gone a little bit in that, like, once the people who play them have nothing but positive things to say, but a lot of people just don't take notice of it, or, you know, this game kind of flies under too many people's radar. So Siphon Filter is, is actually pretty successful and a pretty good game, but, like, not many people have played it. Um, after that, they went out to do... Uh, let's see, Resistance Retribution, which was the PSP version of the Insomniac uh, first-person shooter. Mm. Uh, I'd never cared for Resistance. Did you like Resistance? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty meh. That sums it yeah, up pretty well. Yeah, it's a meh. They went on to do Uncharted Golden Abyss, which was the Vita version of the Uncharted game. Did you play that one? No. (laughs) It was a yes, no. (laughs) I love Um, that you started one way and then you went the other way. Well, because I played so much of the Uncharted games, but I don't think I played that one. I definitely played that one because I was real big on the Vita when it came out. I got to say I was not a fan, though, because they tried to incorporate, like, motion and some of the touch stuff. Like, all of the weird stuff that the Vita could do. Mm. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of it. And to, and to be perfectly honest, I'm not the biggest fan of Uncharted to begin with. So, uh, after that, I believe what came next was Days Gone, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they've done anything else. But that's a pretty good history right there. A lot of, uh, a lot of good games in that, especially the Siphon Filter stuff. So, Carlos, now that we're here... Um, let's talk about Days Gone really briefly. Before we get into the specifics, uh, let's talk about how much of the game we saw. Did you finish this game, and how much did you do? Yeah, I finished the game, but after I finished it, which took, geez Louise, I think 50 or 60 hours, something pretty insane, because I did do a bunch of the side content. Um, and then when I finished, you told me there was extra stuff after credits, and I did not play any of that stuff. All right, so as for me, I did finish the game. Uh, I did all of the missions, like all the side missions, all that stuff, um, completed uh, the main story, rolled credits, and then I was just about to delete the game when I'm like, wait a minute, how come some of these stories in my quest log are not finished? Because I thought I did everything and the credits were rolling. And I'm like, you know, some of the stories that you, you can do in this, the game lists them out for you. You know, most of it was 100%, but I was like 82%. Like, what? What did I not do? I look at my map. I don't see anything there. I wasn't sure. So I jump on a GameFAQ. And sure enough, there's four secret, quote unquote, epilogue missions that pop up only after you finish the game. So I, I took my finger off the delete button, mm. figured out how to do those, did those final four. Uh, and the only thing that I haven't done in the game is I did not defeat every horde because that is boring and annoying. And we'll yes. get into hordes in a minute. And there's also a secret weapon, which is an homage to... The Siphon Filter series, I did not get that because it was also kind of tedious and annoying, so I didn't want to go to that. But Oh my goodness, they should have put a Bubsy 3D like item in there. That would have been amazing. I don't think they did. I think the only nod is to Siphon Filter, but otherwise, basically rinsed the whole game. Did basically every single thing you could do. So I think you and I are well qualified to talk about this game. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, yeah, so we're well qualified, uh, besides those four things that you can tell me at the end of the spoiler portion. Oh, man. All right. We're going to talk about those for sure. Okay, so here's the basics. Like I said, third person, open world, set in Oregon. So it's like hills, mountains. 
the thing, the main thing about this game, I did a little bit of reading uh, while the developers were talking about their devlogs and before the game launched. Their main inspiration, um, apart from being in Oregon, uh, which is where they started the game, was that I, I believe Sons of Anarchy, the motorcycle TV drama, which was on um, AMC, I think. Have you ever seen that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they love uh, bikers and the this the show, and they definitely incorporated that heavily into this game. Big time. I've never seen the show, but I was familiar with it. I mean, it was very popular uh, for a while. So that was one of their main premises. The other premise was they wanted to make a game where it was post-apocalypse, but just like recently post-apocalypse. So I believe in the game, uh, the action starts taking place about two years after like a zombie virus gets released to the public. So uh, like, like nature has not reclaimed the world like some stuff is still running, like some of the uh, electricity is still running in some places, like cars can still be used because they are still in fairly good shape, you know, so it's not like a ruined world, although it is kind of ruined, but it is just like recently apocalypse where you're still, you know, lots of buildings can be inhabited and stuff like that. So recent apocalypse plus Sons of Anarchy biker drama, that was kind of their starting point. Yep. Yeah, and I think both of us, it's always been on our radar. I um, have talked about this on the podcast, but I started it when it first came out. Because, again, what does I, what does Carlos do? He plays every game as soon as it comes out because I have a problem. And uh, I remember enjoying it, but then getting frustrated with the gas tank, getting frustrated with some of the mechanics that we can talk about in a minute here, and just noping out, as you say. Yeah. Uh, and, and knowing that I might come back, but it was just, you know, I was having – a good time, but there was enough frustrations and uh, not enough things to cook me to to keep playing. And so then I think it was you that you were talking about it on the show saying, like, I think I'm going to go back to this. And because you did, I dipped back in and I got hooked. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I can understand why you noped out. I talked to a lot of people about this game after I got into it. Um, so I only came to the game after I got a PS5. I bought it a while ago, never got around to it. I was in the mood for something um, big and I wanted to, you know, still stuck at home because of COVID, all that. I'm like, well, I'm going to I'm going to play something I probably wouldn't normally play. And I bought this on sale uh, for like nine dollars or something a million years ago. So I'm like, oh, let's fire this up. So the PS5 is my first experience with it. And but when I went to talk to people who had played it originally on the PS4 or some people had played it on PS Pro, uh, most of them said that the game had a lot of technical problems. Like, number one. Uh, both sets of hardware really struggled to run the game, I think, especially on the PS4, where I think their their uh, goal was just set higher than the PS4 could achieve. And even the Pro, I've heard, was pretty chuggy in some spots. Also, apparently, it was really buggy. I went back to the Game Critics' uh, review of this game. I had totally forgotten that we had actually reviewed this game. Uh, I did not do it. It was done by Jared Johnston, a uh, good guy, great writer, uh, very uh, opinionated, which is one of the things I like best about him. And he wrote about this game. And when I read his review, I was like, all of a sudden, like, oh, right. Like, what it, his review was one thing that kind of turned me away from the game to begin with because he listed off, like, a whole litany of, like, technical problems, like heads disappearing and people floating and falling through the world and all this crazy stuff. And, like, he made the game sound pretty abysmal, and I totally believe him. But two years have passed since that time, right? And so not only are we on, like, way more powerful hardware with the PS5, uh, Bend has had time to patch and fix and rebalance in the interim. So me coming to PS5, I think, is like the optimal Days Gone experience. And I'm really glad I didn't get to it beforehand. But I can totally understand why you might have noped out or why a lot of people 
uh, yeah. didn't have a lot of really great things to say about this game, honestly. I think what's well, interesting because I didn't have as many technical issues when I played it. I had more kind of just gameplay frustrations, which yeah. is something similar when it comes to patches that you're talking about because, you know, there was, I think, less gas around. Like, your bike needs gas in this game, and if it doesn't have it, <clears throat> it's a really bad problem. You know, you were trying to get around the, the, the place. And if you want to fast travel in this game... Just quick um, topic on the mechanics of traveling. Even fast traveling takes gas, which I think is, in my opinion, bullshit. But I get the idea they're trying to do realism. But in the very beginning, I just feel like there was very little gas to be had. And I was running around dying from zombies. And I couldn't even get the gas to just get to the place I wanted to get to. So for me, it wasn't as much the technical stuff. I can see that happening. uh, And I know that it did happen. But I think mine was more just like gameplay stuff. But again, like you said, two years is a long time. They can perfect some of the stuff. Uh, I also went back to it on the PS5, and it ran buttery smooth. I mean, super like, smooth. I think I was playing it on the PS4 Pro, and it chugged here and there. So I saw the chugs. You know, like you jump over a hill with your bike, and when you land, yeah, it, it yeah, might yeah. like skip or something. Yeah. Um, so I definitely had that, but now, yeah, <clears throat> no problems whatsoever on these new consoles. Uh, and if anything, it's just, yeah, almost almost bug-free. Like, it was really, really good experience gameplay-wise. Yeah. Well, you know, that makes sense, right? Because I've heard um, – I don't know if this is a secret or if it's not a secret or what, but I've heard that Ben Studio is hard at work on Days Gone 2. So it makes a lot of sense uh, once people get wind of this or once they start, you know, beating the drum in terms of PR that, you know, a lot of people are probably going to go back to the original Days Gone to see what it's all about. And if you're trying to sell people on your sequel, you want your first game looking good, right? You don't want it to be a buggy mess. You don't want it to be frustrating. So it makes sense that they would go back and patch and rebalance it. I mean, in terms of gas, you know, as you say, like as you drive your motorcycle around the map, it takes gas and you start off with a really small gas tank. You can upgrade it. Uh, But yeah, you definitely always need gas. And if you run out of gas, it's really frustrating. I only ran out, I think, one time in 80 hours. And that was because I was straight up fucking around. Like I was just not being careful. But when I was being careful... Uh, I, there was plenty of gas. I had more gas than I could ever use. Like it was like every gas station had gas. Usually every house had a gas can out the back. Sometimes you'd be driving down the road and see a tow truck. The tow truck would always have a gas can on it. So I'm sure they must have rebalanced the gas because uh, I never, I basically never ran out of gas. Well, okay. Let me just say one more thing before we leave this topic. Yeah. Um, cause this is a big mechanic thing. Like, yeah, you say that a lot to me and in text and in DM, but the problem is it's not necessarily the gas uh, amount that's around, which is better, right, than when I played originally. Uh-huh. The problem is the fucking act of it, man. If you're in the middle of a story mission and you're talking about your wife or this your really good friend who's in trouble or whatever, and you're like, hold on, and I just hear like this music in the background, like, dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee, and I go pick up the gas can, and I got to walk over my bike. Where's my bike? Oh, wait, it's kind of like broken a little bit, and it's down that hill. Oh, and it happens to be by some zombies, so I can't put the gas in the fucking bike. You know what I mean? And then I have to ride the bike away from the zombies or kill the zombies, and then I have to go back to get the gas can. So for me, that thing is still bullshit. Like, I don't care that it's plentiful. The act of doing it frustrated me to no end. Well, I, I can totally see that. Uh, for me, I, it just became part of my routine, right? Like, I was really into, like, the survivor mindset when I started playing this game. Like, I was really thinking about... You know, uh, check out the area before I just come walking into it, you know, take a look around, be really careful, be pretty judicious with my items, um, you know, scavenge as much as possible, 
Um, and so I just it just became part of my thing. Like whenever I would get to a location, it was always in the forefront of my brain, keep an eye out for a gas can. And then I would find one and I would either if it was in an obvious place, I'd be like, OK, gas can over here. Or if it was in like a, a place I might forget, I would just kind of throw it towards my bike so that when it came back, I would get it. Um, so I, I made a pretty good habit out of like always keeping my bike topped up. But on top of that, one thing that I did really appreciate was when you do required story missions, like there are some story missions where you have to travel from point A to point B. And those ones, they take the gas uh, usage out. So you have infinite right. gas when you're on those missions, which is yeah. great. I appreciated that. Yeah, you don't that'd, be, that'd be crazy if they didn't. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it would be a big problem if you were on a required story mission and then you were out of gas and the whole thing. It would just cause way more problems than it's worth. So I appreciated that on the required missions, there was yeah. no gas. And that was when I drove fucking crazy, right? I was like, max speed, off, doing jumps, like using boost all the time because I didn't have to worry about running out of gas. And then right, when it was right, back right. to the like, normal mission, okay, be conservative, drive slow, coast as much as you can, yeah. which is one thing I think is really neat, too. I really like the motorcycle in this game. I think it feels really good to drive. It's really fun. And one of my favorite things that I think I mentioned on an earlier podcast was keeping in mind your gas limit. I would always be trying to rev the engine as little as possible. It became like a little mini game for myself. There's no achievement for it or anything, but I just was like, okay, I'm on a big hill. I'm going to cut the engine. I'm going to just coast and the wind is whipping by and you hear the, the squeak of your brakes and just try to go like as far as I could without using up the gas to try to like extend the life of my bike. Just a fun little dumb thing that I did, but it was kind of neat that I could do that. Yeah, you really role played this game. <laughs> oh man, I did. I got into it because as I'm hearing you, like, it, and I and I feel bad, like, uh, if you don't listen to spoiler content, I did enjoy this game. I'm just starting off like really frustrated because <laughs> the number one bane of my existence is the gas in this game. So minus that, I, I did like the bike. Like you said, the bike experience is incredible. I mean, incredible. It's really um, good. Really good. It feels good. The shocks, the way it lands, and and, and for all the guff I'm giving it, um, upgrading your bike is fun. Like it really did like getting the new kind of front piece so that you can like hit zombies better did you find you finally got that right i got it but i i never ever ever got comfortable hitting zombies because i really disliked getting jerked off my bike yeah but and it, it just happens happened less. too many times yeah I mean, it happens ugh. less when you get the when more of the upgrade in the front yeah now nah, i was just always like avoid 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 i crashed them if i absolutely had to but I kind of went out of my way to like stay as far away from him as possible. All right. Well, it is pretty jarring when when you get <laughs> dropped off that oh, bike. It is a, this is the worst feeling. It's like yeah, you like remember it always. But no, I really enjoyed the bike experience. I mean, you play this game just for the bike. If you just bought this on sale and just want to drive around Oregon, like it's a bike simulator. It would game. Be, it would be fun enough to play just for the like the right? BMX action. Yeah, for sure. Straight That's up, cool. and yeah. you can put paint and, and decals on it. By the way, we can talk about that real quickly. Uh, I finally made my bike at the end, uh, the Death Stranding bike. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't know that was even in there. Uh, if you get to the end of the game, one of the shops sells uh, a Death Stranding skin for your motorcycle, and your gas tank can look exactly like BB from Death Stranding. So there's like an infant in juice on top of your motorcycle. Yeah, okay. It is the weirdest I did, thing. I didn't do that. So by the way, it's not the end of the game. It's like three quarters of the way through the game. All right, you, pretty, you pretty close. Once you're yeah. in, yeah. And um, and I got one that just made it look like the Death Stranding bike in general, but there is an alternative one that yes, it puts BB inside your bike. Yeah, it's which weird. Is super gross. It's scary. creepy and weird. It yeah. made me uncomfortable. I didn't like to do that. No, I didn't do that one. I just did like yeah. the regular one. But yeah, it's such a good experience with the bike. And let's just really quickly talk to the like the action maybe and the zombie stuff. Yeah, I was actually just going to bring that up. So apart from the open world, sca uh, using the motorcycle to get around. You have to scavenge quite a bit. I mean, I was going to say, first off, scavenging, how did how'd you like it? Was it a drag? Was it fun? Was it fine? Not an issue? What did you find about the scavenging? Yeah, I mean, I, it felt like 
kind of going back to the role playing thing, it just felt like an RPG. Like I constantly hit that scavenge button, right? Like I was just always, even if I don't need anything, I just, it's just addictive. So it was just like second nature for me. I just always took anything I saw or, you know, I just kept getting stuff. And the crafting and stuff was fine for you. Did you notice that you were like frequently running out of things? Because in this game, folks, you can scavenge parts from like, you know, from wrecked cars or from houses you find. You can make Molotov cocktails. You can make bandages. You can make certain kinds of medicine. You can make bows and arrows and you can make all sorts of stuff. I mean, for me, I uh, I was playing on the easy mode because I just, you know, wanted to play an easy and have a good time. And I had a great time. I found there was plenty of stuff all around. Like what mode were you on and, and did you have plenty? I can't remember if it was easy or normal, but I did have plenty, and it was more like, even if there's a lot of resources, this game does a good job of balancing it where you get into a camp somewhere, and you still run out. Like, they want you to run out here and there, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting, back to your role-playing of, like, being in this ruined world and a scavenger. Like, you're not always going to have unlimited ammo. This game does a really good job of, like, realism, and it's, like, to the fault at times, and sometimes to its benefit. And this is an example. Like, you go to a camp, and you think you're you just load it up at the camp. You got all this ammo. You put ammo in your bike. You're ready to go. You still might run out. Yeah, and what, that's what true. they make you do is they they have guns everywhere because you're you know taking out people and they have guns. So there was a lot of times where yeah I ran out of stuff, but there was always a gun around. So you just pick something up, you know. And there's yeah. always melee weapons everywhere. Um, and the number one tactic I did, and anybody listening, before we get to spoiler, if you're gonna play this game, get. Get the, your favorite melee weapon, which I um, prefer the machete. Take the machete, which is the best one, I think. And just get enough resources that you can always uh, repair it. And you are fine. Because that ma- that machete is killer. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, it literally just... I use that almost all the time. Like, you just... If you do ste- uh, sneaky stealth stuff and get up to somebody... If you're not doing the stealth kill and they find out you're there... You can just literally go up to anybody and machete them. So I did that a lot. That is interesting. I actually never really used the machete at all. Oh I my used, goodness, um, it's so satisfying in oh a sick way. I had I used um, the baseball bat with nails for a while, and then I came across. Uh, I never found the recipe for it, but I found a baseball bat that had like sixteen metal blades on the side of it, and then yeah. it had a giant sharp gear on the top. Yeah, I saw and, that too. Yeah, I I got that, and then exactly your advice is totally spot on. Like carry enough supplies to repair your melee weapon because i think the game kind of thinks you're going to use it the melee weapon's going to break you're gonna have to pick up another one that's okay but that's kind of a sucker's move like you want to keep your best melee available all the time and i yeah i never um ran out of my melee weapon i would always repair it it was always a top priority to keep it in good shape because it was strong and it always gets you out of trouble um so definitely repair that melee weapon and since we're talking about it now let's talk about the combat uh obviously Lots of stuff to kill in this game. There are zombies, although they're not exactly zombies. They're called freakers in this game. And uh, well, maybe we'll get into the story spoilers later, but they're not your usual staggering around, like, moaning zombies. They're pretty fast. They travel in packs. There are groups. I mean, I think one of the big PR pushes for this game when it was out was, like, that these freakers travel in hordes. So they're, like, you know, it could be a group of, like, 20, 30, 40, all the way up to, like, 500 of them. Which is quite a lot, which is like an overwhelming amount of, uh, of freakers to deal with. But apart from that, uh, there's also other factions in the world. There are anarchists uh, who are assholes. There are the Rippers who are kind of these drugged out, kind of like weird, self-mutilating, gross people. Um, there's also just like regular like ambush people. Um, and so there's like also human factions wherever you go. 
And I think it was really interesting to like have to kind of balance between, you know, zombies over here and then humans over here. And the tactics that you used for, for those groups were like wildly different. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, like for the humans are pretty similar, but the rippers are more like aggressive because they're definitely like half crazy. And I feel like whenever I went to a ripper camp, I was in more danger than like just a regular ass, like, Hey, we're just some yeah. people here, you know, trying to snipe you from afar. Um, I will say this though. One of the worst cheap shots in the game is a sniper because it's broken. In my opinion, it's broken. It, like you can be so far away from a sniper. And I know how that's, that's how sniping works before anybody <laughs> takes my head off pun intended. But it's bullshit in this game because, like, I either dodged or was driving my bike away from it. It just seems like if you're in the vicinity of a, a sniper, the AI just knows how to hit you perfectly. And and it takes a lot of damage, too. So yeah. I hated the snipers in this game. Um, other than that, um, yeah. So are you, you referring to the sniper, like, trap or just, like, snipers that are that you just come across in a camp? No, like, in, a, in those towers. Like, there would be, like, these snipers up in a tower and they seem like they would always like get you. Like there was trap ones like around the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's what happened to me most of the time. Like when I saw snipers in a tower in a camp, I could usually like hide. And yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, like yeah. avoiding them was pretty easy. But when I was driving, um, some of the factions in this game will set up ambushes for uh, your main character, Deacon St. John, who we actually haven't mentioned until just now. Um, and as you're driving, like sometimes you'll just be like driving and then Deacon will say something like, oh, shit, a sniper. And I'm like, what? And then yeah, you and get you're blasted hit. in the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hit, so. I think that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I, that feels bullshit because I'm like he, I didn't even know, you know. But yeah. I guess those, whatever. Those traps are rude. Those traps are rude, man. Like so the one of my least favorite traps is the uh, the wire across the road trap oh, where you're driving. Yeah. And then like it's like a uh, like a clothesline across the road, and then you you catch that. Get, I mean that would kill you in real life. Like you would just be fucking dead if you get that in full Your speed. Your bike goes like, flying, and you yeah, somehow you are catch alive. Your but... head off. Yeah. But, you know, like the ambushes in this game, I think, are really one of the most interesting things because I didn't realize those were there until I had played like a fair amount of the game. And I, I thought I had found the rhythm of the game, you know, right away from the zombies, get back to camp, find my supplies. Like I was all good. I was in a groove. And then out of nowhere, I hit one of those clothesline traps, get yanked off my bike. I'm like, what the fuck? What is what? Yeah. And, you know, like people come rushing from behind their hiding spots, start bum rushing on the street and stuff like that's. The first time that happens, that is fucking scary and super disorienting and weird, man. Yeah, and I'll say this to give it credit. It is, yeah, it definitely shakes up the whole gameplay loop because you're not just like in a third-person game where you know which location to go take out and then you go back and, and rinse and repeat. It does shock you, and you're like, wait, what the hell? Um, so I, I appreciate that they put him in there. I just don't like the sniper one because I think it was every yeah, time I bullshit. <laughs> I agree. I, I, would always, I would always try to like dodge or like juke left or right or maybe speed up or slow down and like no matter what i did if that sniper had a beat on me it was over so yeah, yeah it's, I, like, it's like video gamey you know what i mean like that, <laughs> that one's the most video gamey because it's like oh no you've entered the area the cone of surface the cone of yep. vision sees you you're, yep. you're you're shot that's it so yeah that was pretty rough i will say though it is good and one of the most satisfying feelings is making your world literally safer by clearing those camps if you go and find out where those people are camping kill them all there's no more ambushes on the road. And I really enjoyed doing that. Like I totally 100% cleared out all of the ambush camps because number one, it sucks to get ambushed. Number two, uh, you know, like it's, it's changing the actual world. I mean, not super drastic, but the, there's a big difference between I'm riding down this road and I'm scared someone's going to get me or I'm riding in this road and I'm confident because I've killed everybody already. Mm, and like, yeah, I yeah. really like enjoyed having like a clean area 
and just going back and forth was was really nice. I like that quite a bit. Yeah. Real quick to that uh, before we leave the combat part of it, uh, which we haven't talked about the uh, the zombies in quotes, but when it comes to the humans, I, you know, there's a little bit of a moral uh, decision or discussion to have about you know killing tons of people, and I'm always frustrated, and I think you are too, about Uncharted and those kind of games where you do kill 700 people. Um, in this one, it's interesting. I really only attacked people that were you know, mean towards me, like rippers are, rippers are total assholes and they want to take over like the whole area. And then there's the anarchists who do too. But anytime there was a mission where go take out anarchists or go take out just regular campers who are kind of being a dick. I I generally didn't, which is interesting. I kind of role played, uh, how I would be in that situation where I wouldn't just go be like, you know what? We should just go kill all those people. Uh, I definitely took out every ripper I could find because they were mean and they hurt my friend. But it's interesting. I didn't take out all the people. Do you know what I mean? That's a, it's, it's an interesting question, right? Um, and I know that some articles have brought this up. And of course, it's like a general topic of discussion in games in general. But, um, you know, most of these, in fact, pretty much all of these missions were not... Um, hey, go kill these people because they're camping over there. It was, hey, these people attacked us, or hey, these people killed somebody, or hey, these people robbed us. So there was always, the, the developers were very careful to always give you a narrative uh, reason mm-hmm. why it would be, you know, you know, quote-unquote justified to go kill these people. And interesting, interestingly enough, um, like you say, the Rippers are crazy. They all attack you on sight, and they're just like lunatics, right? They'll like douse themselves on flames and come running towards you as they're as they're burning to death or something. But when you got to the uh, the other people, like the ambushers or the anarchists or whatever, if you don't do anything and they know you're there, they will often be like, you know, hey, come out. We just want to talk. We're we're just camping here peacefully. Like they have a whole bunch of barks that they'll say in the middle of the game. And at one point, I'm like, okay, cool. I will I will take you up on that. You say you're here for peace and you want to just talk it out. You know, I get out of my bush that I'm hiding in, and I walk towards them. They take a headshot right <laughs> of off the course. bat. Of yeah, course, yeah, they do. But I wanted to give them a chance, right? You want to see, are you a man of your word or you're not? And they never are. So and They never are, because that's the video bad. gameness of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, real quick to, to talk to that, and I was going to bring it up later, but, you know, in the future, which is pretty soon from now, there's going to be AI that's more sophisticated, that's using cloud computing, that's going to have you know branch trees that are more reactive to what you're actually doing. Sure, like, sure. This is this is the future. We're gonna. We're, it's it's almost here now, but so this is a perfect example of not that right. Those people are always going to attack you no matter what, and their voice cues are just like you know triggers, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And so it is unfortunate because it would be really cool if you could be like, oh, we get what you did, and you know we'll make some amends or whatever. But yeah, they're they're still all just in quotes bad guys. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think it would be super interesting. If there were more narrative opportunities for you to either A, attack and kill the camp or B, befriend the camp or C, you know, truce with the camp or something like I would have really there is not much of that. Like it's a pretty clear cut. You're either with the good guys or the bad guys. That is absolutely true. But it would have been very fascinating to maybe like have a dilemma where, hey, these campers robbed us and then you get out to the camp and of course they're starving or something. So they had a reason to rob you. Could you let them go? Like, could you maybe make friends with them? Could you incorporate them into the camp? I mean, having more of that kind of moral decision would be pretty cool. Although it's interesting because Days Gone is not necessarily that game in that it tells a very set story. Like, you you are you are the character Deacon St. John going uh, on this mission. We'll get into the story in a second. Um, but they don't give you choice, right? There's no ethical choices. You either do a mission or you don't. But there's no deciding how the mission goes, right? Like, it's either you've completed or you fail, but this, the developers have already predetermined 
if you succeed in this mission, that means you have killed every single person here. Like, there is no negotiation. There is no right. moral judgment. It's not Mass Effect where it's like you let the aliens go or you befriend them or you have sex with them. Like, there's no three-way choice, right? It's either <laughs> yes or no. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not, no, there's no sex having sex with the uh, the, the campers the creatures, who are yeah. mad at you. No, hey, wait, wait. No. Come, on, come on out for a minute. Let's just smoke a joint and let's just chill out. Let's just... Let's talk this out. How you feeling? You know, uh, yeah. no, real quick before we leave that topic. Um, one, I think that that would be a fucking amazing, and that would be, be super good. Yeah, well, no, no, not the not the sex part. Yes, that no, would not, be, no, not the sex. No, the choice, the choice, the choice. Right? Okay, yes. and the sex part, whatever. But in the future, you have this game, this type of game too, right? An Uncharted, a Days Gone, where yeah. what we're talking about in the spoiler cast, just like Skyrim, which I always bring up because that's the number one one we're going to have different stories, you know? Yes. And yes, that'll yes. be amazing. So, but back to this real quick and to finish kind of this choice uh, discussion, I will also give them credit and say that they're not all killing missions, right? We talked about this on a previous podcast, but we there's did, like, yes. just capture a guy, bring him back. Sure. Um, capture a guy, leave him from some, leave him for somebody else to go get. Um, race this one guy down and catch him. Um, those are all just Multiple catching. rescue missions. There's tons of rescue missions. Rescuing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like finding things that we need, like we lost something, go find it. So exactly. there's that too, you know? Yeah. I just think it's really interesting that this game definitely takes narrative control away from the player. Like they are telling the story of Deacon St. John. They, they want to know what beats he's going to go through. So there's no like path branching, right? Like there might be like a micro branch where you missed one of the time-sensitive missions, and so you don't see, like, 10 seconds of a cutscene or something. But, like, the overall beats, like, it's not like Mass Effect or something where there's, like, you know, you could end up with, like, a totally different crew at the end of the game, or, you know, there's no branching. Like, you're always going to get yeah, to the yeah. same place, which I think is kind of an interesting choice, given that recently, like, so many games are all about choice. Like, let's take The Witcher, for example, where, you know, there's, like, three or four different endings. They're all, like, super wildly varied some of them are early, some of them are later, some of them have people alive, some are dead. This is this is not that game. Like this is like if you make it to the end of the game, you're basically going to have the same adventure that everybody else did along the way, you know, plus or minus a few side missions. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh the zombies though, uh or freakers, I should say. Um we it's interesting cuz it's almost similar where you don't have to fight a lot of them. Like in the set missions you do, right? There's set missions where you have to sure. do specific things to kill a bunch of freakers. And like we'll talk about later in the spoiler part, the hordes, which are terrible and ridiculous. Yeah, super not fun. <laughs> but um, for the most part, if you're going somewhere to get something, retrieve something, um, you know, you could be sneaky. You could be stealthy. This game has tons of stealth in it. Lots of stealth. Heavy stealth. Yeah. And you could just go get the stuff you need and take the fuck off. And more times than not, I don't know about you, but I just pieced out like i didn't you know what i mean like i didn't have to sit around and gain xp and and to to unlock stuff and i will say this too for people listening who are just about to play it i don't feel like i ever had to grind ever no, um no, if you play because the game is so long so because it's so long you'll be killing zombies here and there but you won't like have to spend like i'm gonna go into this town and take out all the zombies like i never would do that if anything i just erred on the side of like running away Oh, totally, dude. Yeah, that was like absolutely part of like my in my quasi role play, right? Like I would get in and out, kill as many as few, excuse me, as few people as possible. Right. If I didn't have to engage with zombies, I would just like hide in a bush. I'd go around their back. I'd you know sneak around, hide up on a roof or something, just get away from them. If I didn't have to fight them, I mean, if they were in my path and there was no other choice, I had no problem with taking them out. But it wasn't like a, you know, exactly like you said. I wasn't going to a town and like clearing the town or anything. I was just like get in, get the thing I need, get out, and just you know just leave. Every once in a while, though, a not 
main story mission, like one of those uh, places where you have to turn the power back on, yeah, uh, the bases, they would have like a mini horde, or at least like you know, yeah, more yeah. than normal. And you go, oh shit, I'm in trouble, you know. And if you want to do that thing, which is an achievement on the little list, which is turn power back on at the station, then you do have to kill a ton of them. So I did that maybe like once, you know, where I had like, okay, I'm going to fight yeah. like 50 of these fucking things. But in general, yeah, I just kind of uh, hightailed out of there. Let's, let's, uh, let's pause for a second. I realize at this point that we haven't actually really given the premise of the game, which I think we're probably going in reverse order here. This is not spoiler at all, but just to give the basic setup of the game, you know, who the characters are, what's going on. Um, so... Your Deacon St. John, he is a biker uh, with the mongrel motorcycle gang riding out of some town in Oregon. He's got his motorcycle buddy whose name is Boozer. Uh, they're kind of, you know, uh, co, co, I don't know, members of this motorcycle club. Uh, you get some cutscenes that show what happened in the world before it went to shit. And at that point, Deacon was dating slash getting married to a woman named Sarah. And they, the game basically starts at the the apocalypse, when the apocalypse is happening. Sarah gets stabbed. Uh, Deacon puts her on a helicopter to get her to safety. The helicopter is full, so Deacon has to stay behind with Boozer. And Deacon and Sarah get separated. Uh, as the story goes, uh, Sarah gets taken to a camp that's overrun by zombies. She gets killed. Deacon spirals into depression. Him and Boozer become kind of drifters, wandering the landscape. And as the game picks up, you and Boozer kind of have a home base in Oregon uh, at this little, like, Firewatch Tower. And you're just kind of randomly surviving. Like, you're just doing missions for people, earning money, earning food, earning bullets, and just basically surviving. So I heard a lot of people say that this story started very slow for them, and a lot of people said they had a hard time clicking with it. How did you find this beginning without any spoilers, Carlos? Yeah, that's perfect. I'm glad that you, you brought that up because that's, um, that setup right there sounds pretty okay. But when you start playing, it does feel slow to me. And that's another reason why I noped out originally. But you do have to give it some time. You have to give it some time, almost like an RPG, where you like let it you know get its hooks in. You get to start to meet some people at different camps, and you start you know fleshing out some story and a mystery. Like there's a mystery that shows up, and that mystery is pretty much the main thing that will drive the rest of the story. So yes to the answer of I felt like it was slow, and I think that if people just stick with it, it definitely picks up. But in the beginning, I was like, why am I even doing this? Like my buddies at home, you know, you can't really go out because of an injury. And I'm just kind of like, you know, fighting zombies and I'm always worried about gas. And, you know, this is the past when I first played it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was it was a little frustrating uh, at the beginning because I felt like it was a little slow. Interesting. I, I mean, you said, you said it was a little slow. A lot of people I talked to you said it was a little slow. I didn't find it to be a little slow, but I think also that probably points to my, my state of mind, right? Like maybe if I was in a different state of mind, I would have found it slow, but because, you know, I mean, real life here, we're just stuck at home because of COVID still, the world is still, you know, just really devastated by not being able to travel and people getting sick and all this stuff. Uh, you know, I, w I was maybe more open to a slower paced or more, um, I don't know, self-guided experience, I think. And um, kind of like when I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey recently, where I was just happy to dive into that world and kind of get lost for a while. It was kind of the same for me. Like I, if I had come to this game wanting to get through it, just like, you know, critical path, get to the end quickly as possible. I could have been very frustrated, but because I came to it wanting just to have the experience, like just to drive the bike around and just to hunt zombies at my leisure and to kind of like establish relationships with the survivor camps around. Like I was fine just doing that for a while. Like I was like, this is good enough. Like I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I don't, I'm not in a hurry 
to, to, to roll credits. So for me, it was fine, but I can definitely see how people would think it was slow. Yeah, that's it. we've talked about that many times in the show. It is like where you are in your life when exactly. you play a game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. for me, it was the same thing. I'm at home too. So I'm like, you know what? Brad, let's fire it up, you know, because I do want to be in this world and I can take the time. So people yep. listening now, uh, I don't know when you're going to play it and when you've heard this episode, but if it's still a lot of staying home time, then, you know, it, it's a really good world to to lose yourself in. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think we have covered most of the basics, unless there's anything I'm forgetting. Anything that we should mention before we get to the spoiler warning, Carlos? No, I think that's it. Like, that's the story bit. That's some of the mechanics. And I think we should just jump right in. All right. So this is your thermonuclear triple ply super special story spoiler warning. Up until this point, we have given you no spoilers whatsoever. It's just been mechanics and gameplay, general thoughts, uh, that kind of stuff. But from this point forward, we are going to peel back the curtain. We're going to peer back there. We're going to talk about the story, the plot twist, the character developments, the secret epilogues. We're going to talk about literally everything in this game, and it's going to be completely spoiled. If you have played this game already, please join us for this portion. If you're thinking about playing this game, which I think you should play this game, don't spoil yourself because there's lots of really cool stuff coming up. Don't ruin it. And there's actually like way more story than I thought there was going to be. Would you agree? Yeah, way more story. There's way more story than you think there's going to be. So please, don't ruin yourself. Uh, just come back, like bookmark this and play the entire game come back in 50 60 70 80 hours probably like 80 hours if you're like me 60 hours if you're like carlos and uh and come back after you've rolled credits don't spoil yourself that would be doing yourself a big injustice but for now this is the only story spoiler warning you're going to get and from this point forward we are going to be talking about it starting now all right story story spoiler is up Story spoiler is up. Isn't it crazy? It was just all aliens the whole time. That was bizarre, dude. And they were undead. That was crazy. It was undead aliens. Plus they were the, Nazis. And they were Nazis, and you had to like fight the, that cow uh, boss at the end. Remember? It was like a cow oh, boss. God. And then Donald oh. Trump shoots out of his butt. It was gross. No, he did not make an appearance. We <laughs> not usher his name <laughs> this podcast. Uh, yeah, no, let's talk about it. And I have like a little bit of notes in a semi-order. Okay. Like kind of like things that I've uh, experienced and I kind of took notes as I was playing the game. But before we even start, let's just talk about Deacon St. John for a minute. I've mentioned yeah. this to you, I think, on an episode that was a non-spoiler episode. But he's a very good liar. And <laughs> you you told me that he has to be. And I understand because it's the apocalypse. Anybody you say something wrong to, they could like turn on you and you could get killed. And we'll definitely talk about that in this spoiler part. A lot of people do turn on you. But I still think he's, I mean, I couldn't do what he does. Like, if it was an RPG for real and I was making a character and it was, like, more based on me, like, I couldn't lie as easily as he does. He's just lying all the time. I mean, dude, survive it, man. I mean, I, I get it, but at the same time, you got to do what you got to do. And if you don't know if you can trust people, if you don't know if they're telling you the truth, maybe these other people you meet are trying to, like, you know, suss you out and get you tricked up. I mean... You don't want to. You don't want to give away too much, right? With people you know, he's very honest, and I mean, not, he's not really open. I think he's a pretty guarded guy. Like he's a kind of a typical, emotionally repressed sort of dude. So like his expressions of love and joy are pretty small because he's embarrassed about showing too much because he's like so American, red blood American dude. But yeah, like when it comes to, you know, for example, protecting somebody who might be in danger, 
he's all about it. Like, he's like, I'll tell any lie that I need to to keep my people safe. And, you know, I, I can relate to that, man. Like, I try to tell the honest truth in my day-to-day dealings because, thankfully, we're not living in a zombie apocalypse here. But if I needed to tell some lies to protect my wife and kids, you better believe I'd be spinning some yarns. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm like, a, I'm infamously, I can't lie. Like, it just, it's, I'm not saying, it's no judgment against people who can, but I just can't do it. Like, I, you would know, like, immediately. <laughs> You'd be like, what are you doing? You sound funny. Your voice sounds weird. You better get uh, yourself a camp and stay safe, buddy, because I don't want you to be out in the, in, the, in the shit, as they say. You know what? I'll just take it as it comes. All right? How about that? <laughs> I'm just going to tell the truth, and if it means, like, I got to fight somebody, I'll fight somebody. But I bring it up not just because of the lying part, but, like, it's interesting because his character, just as an overview real quick, um, yeah, like you said, he's just like a man's man, but he's also nervous and scared to say things, not right. just because of the apocalypse, but it's also like just his personality. It, like a lot of times we get flashbacks in this game, and he's the same way. Like there's nothing different about how he's, it's not just because of the apocalypse, right? He, right, right. Like he likes that girl, but he doesn't tell her, and or he's being coy. Or there's so many times I found it a little frustrating when he would... It reminds me of uh, Lost TV show, and I'll tell you what that means. Because in Lost, a lot of times, the characters in that show wouldn't tell the other characters what's really going on. <laughs> It'd be like, no, it's actually time travel, or no, it's actually this, or I'm actually a mystical being or something. But they would never tell. They would just kind of keep like internal secrets the whole time. And I feel like lots of times Deacon did the same thing where he was like, no, 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 that's it. It's just fine. No, I didn't even do it. Somebody else did it. You know, like he would just like... I don't know. A lot of that stuff happened in the game where it just seemed like he was just kind of putting things off and and not really getting into it. I was like, just just say it. See, it's interesting you bring that up because I actually really like the character of Deacon St. John a lot. I know that some people really did not care for him. I thought he was really well written and very believable and very honest because, I mean, he is like 100 percent not like me at all. Like We are not similar. That's not why I like him. I think we are wildly different people. Um, But what I liked about him was he seemed like a very normal human relatable person in that you know he wants to seem tough you know he's like a biker guy doesn't want to seem vulnerable you know probably got some like internalized homophobia going on or something you know has a very difficult time being honest and straightforward with the woman that he loves like he loves her very deeply you know he's he's going to kill a thousand people to get to her he'll do anything to save her but he struggles to tell her that he loves her like he, he does but it's not it doesn't come easy he always like couches it in a joke first and he uses humor to kind of defuse the situation because he feels very uncomfortable with the truth and uncomfortable with showing his inner feelings and being vulnerable. Like he is 100% about being protected all the time. This dude will do anything to not be vulnerable. You know, he has many conversations with people he comes across. Uh, for example, uh, Ricky, who is at the Lost Lake camp, who's one of my favorite characters. I love Ricky. Um, I love Ricky. She's the best. Like they talk like in many, many scenes and he's always like got a dumb joke or he's pushing her off or he'll do anything to like avoid answering her question. And I don't think it's because he's deceitful. I think he's just scared of being vulnerable and doesn't want to seem like anything other than the tough guy, which I mean, that is a very common trait in like American males right now. That is such a super common thing. I know tons of dudes who are just like Deacon. Let me me say this though. I I also love the character, right? So we were in agreement, agreement there. Like it's such a human character. I'm saying the things I'm frustrated with is because like, as you play a game, it's such a weird tangent discussion, but you play as this character. Now you're not, sometimes you really are like acting like yourself. Like again, role-playing game. You're, you've made the character. You're going to try to act like Carlos or you're going to act like Brad, or you're going to act like this version of a character whose name is Aldon or something, but it's still more like you. This one, you're straight up Deacon. 
you're yeah. just like helping Deacon do things. And so for me, it's more like if I'm going to spend 80 hours with this person, like it just gets frustrating because I'm like, oh, well, will he just do the things that I would normally do, you know? But taking that aside and not putting like my own spin on like what I would do in the situations, you're 100% right. He's such a genuine character who has flaws, which is great to play, like uh, uh, versus like an Uncharted where like the, the person seems like a superhero. You know, it's like, I can do no wrong. And all the things I, all the jokes I say are funny and I can, you know, take over the world. But this guy's like, and that might be, you know, there's definitely some idiosyncrasies to, you know, Nathan Drake. But um, I just love this character and I love his, his, um, his faults, you know, and and there are a lot of faults. And I think some of that, remember, he's ex-military too. So there's a lot of kind of like repressed stuff going on there. Oh, dude, um, totally, totally. So, he reminds me so much of people that I knew that I went to high school with or that I know personally where, you know, and in fact, even some of my good friends that I went to high school with went to the military. And when they got back out, it was like they didn't talk about jack fucking shit. Like it was crazy trying to get them to talk about anything. They were just so shut down and so repressed. I mean, and I, I agree with you. You know, it's kind of like I alluded to earlier in the non-spoiler section where, you know, um, Ben is definitely telling Deacon's story. Like, there's no choices. Like, you don't, you're going along with him, but you're not making choices for Deacon, right? And that, I agree with you. I think that's pretty frustrating because, you know, like I said, Deacon is not like me. I am not like him. There were many times when I was like, oh, my God, will you just fucking say something? Or, yeah, like, Jesus Christ, will you saying. please give Boozer a hug for fuck's sake? Just, it doesn't mean you're gay. Just give him a hug. You love this guy. Come on. Like, your brothers. You know, like, and he just, like, would not do it. And I'm yeah. like, it was really frustrating um, you know, from that perspective where as the player, you don't have you do not have that kind of agency over the story, which in, in many, you know, RPGs or in many open world games, you do have at least a little bit of agency. Like when you're Cassandra in Assassin's Creed, many times you can choose to be, yes, I will romance you or no, I'll not romance you or I'll be a jerk to you or no, I won't be a jerk. Uh, you don't even get any of that here. You have no choices as to his response or how he treats people. So that was a little bit frustrating. I, I understand why they did it, because they were definitely telling this one story they wanted to tell. But it is interesting, because you don't see that too much these days. Yeah. Well, uh, going along those lines of the characters, in the beginning of the game, and this is kind of in a linear path, you do a lot of side missions. I did a lot more side missions this time, because of what we aforementioned said, where you know I have the time to sit down in this world, and yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to be at home, so I'm going to just do a bunch of side missions. Might as well. Might as Might well. Might as well. And in the beginning, I really didn't want to like align myself with any of the camps because there's a lot of different camps and you can basically as you do work for a camp you get uh to unlock things at the camp and some of that's like really helpful because it's your bike you know or it's weapons yeah upgrades uh, better guns and stuff for sure yeah and then it's it sometimes it just feels like you're just doing it for the camp and for story bits yeah so in the beginning i did a ton of copeland stuff just because they were the ones who could give me the fucking gas tank which is uh, the first camp you come across first camp you come across and and yeah the guy who's doing the radio broadcast is you know i don't believe in everything he's saying but at the same time it's more about just a need you know i'm just going to fill this need um but then later getting to the, the relationships and the people in this game um i w- was wondering why i had such a frustration with uh ada tucker and then i played it the second time and i realized yeah she's a dick like, she, she's a bad person she's, she's a, really a bad, bad person. person and this brings up a question one yeah so you agree with me that she's terrible right oh she's a terrible person yeah okay so she's terrible but she starts off being nice kind of and it kind of like you're like ooh, maybe she's gonna be helping this girl that i just found or whatever no she turns into a dick real quick um secondly we talked about this in a previous episode but why does her camp and even and even other camps work their people so hard 
Like, what the fuck, bro? Here's my little tangent. It's the ap- apocalypse. We're all, you guys are all lucky to be alive, and you're lucky to have a camp and be protected, to have fucking ammo and guns, and you have crops now. Just fucking chill out. Why are people hitting people? Tell them to work harder and work till two in the morning. I don't get that part of the game. Well, you know, I think it's it's interesting, right? So, like, in, in Copeland's camp, the first one you get to, he's like a wild survivalist truther kind of guy. He thinks there's always, like, black helicopters and government conspiracies. But he's, Wait, but he's kind of right some of the time. He is kind of right, <laughs> but he's also kind of a wacko. Like, he's, yeah. you know, even a broken clock is right, you know, twice a day. Um, but he, you know, in his camp, everybody's kind of working along. Like, there's nobody who's really, like, being forced to work. Like, they're all kind of, like hunting and helping each other out. Then you get to the hot springs camp, which is where Ada Tucker is the boss of that camp. She looks like this kind of like jolly old grandmother at first, but then it soon turns out that she's actually forcing, she's got kind of like a slave camp going. You don't know that right off the bat. It's not immediately obvious. Um, But yeah, she's the one who is like making people work so crazy hard and forcing people to stay not letting them leave. They're beating people up in the camp, which you find out later and that, you know, that ties into one of the main storylines. Uh, you find a survivor named Lisa. Uh, she's kind of living off on her own, surviving in this, like, gross house. She's, like, running out of food and water. Deacon comes across Lisa, and he's like, hey, you can't live out here in the wilderness by yourself. Why don't you come back to camp? And Deacon mistakenly sends her to Ada's camp. And that's kind of what starts that whole story off, right? Because the next time you visit Lisa, she's like, fuck this camp. This camp sucks. And Deacon's like, well, why? What's going on? And she's like, they make you work so hard, and I hate it here. And at first he thinks it's like everybody's working to, to you know, carry their own load. You know, everybody's got to do their share. But then as it as it, the story goes on, it is revealed that she's actually like forcing the work in like a, a slave situation. Um, so Deacon, you know, helps Lisa get out of there. But it, it is interesting because then when you get to the third camp, which is the Lost Lake camp run by Iron Mike, um, it's again more of like working together. But I think it's more of a we need to work really hard to survive. So there's a farm. People that work on the farm apparently don't go out on supply runs. And that means like going out into the zombie territory, scavenging buildings and killing zombies. So I guess it's kind of a trade off where if you want the security of not having to fight zombies, then you got to work real hard on the on the farm area. Or if you don't want to do that, then you got to go out into the shit and fight people. So they had a kind of a, a weird mix of like, you know, one was like the slave camp. One was like that. We're working together as best we can. And one was like more of a, you know, we're surviving hard and everybody's got to work hard. So there's kind of a, kind of a mix of different, different types. Yeah. I would say that's a, true, but the, here's my through line that I, I just felt while mm-hmm. we played the game. Cause we played so many hours of it. You hear so much dialogue. True. Yes. Yes. Ada Tucker is a, a slave camp. And that's stupid. I don't Again, we don't know why she's doing that. Cause again, my real question is why? Like, I don't, why would she do that? Like, there's no reason to do that. There's no benefit to her. Like you don't, she should work someone a little harder. It doesn't make any sense. So to me, I, I, I have disbelief of why that's happening. We can just take it offline. Like, I don't understand why that's happening. Secondly, though, even Lost Lake, which is the fa- my favorite camp, it turns out to be where you have most of the story bits. Um, it seems like anytime someone's like not doing work, you know, like, ooh, Boozer's gonna go on a mission or you're gonna go on a mission. Why aren't you working? Like that showed up more than not. And I just felt like it was a little too much. Like, yeah, A, I just took out like a million people and brought us a bunch of supplies. Shut up. You know what I mean? Like, don't tell me to go work in the fucking farm. Can't just recognize what I'm doing, you know? But it seemed like at every turn, of course, Schizo, that motherfucker. Well, see, that's uh, what I was going to say, right? Because the person who who yells at you for not working every single time at Schizo, uh, who is a, 
second in command at the Lost Lake camp uh, under Iron Mike. And he's kind of like the quote unquote head of security. He's a douchebag. Like as soon as you see him, you know, he's a douchebag. Uh, but every time that he, you get ridden before skipping work or something, it's always Schizo who's like, where the fuck are you? Why aren't you doing your work? It's not anybody else. And so I think that I think that's kind of just getting to his character where he doesn't like you. He's trying to ride you into the ground. He's picking yeah. on you. He's abusing his position. That's kind of where I thought that came from for the Lost Lake camp. Um, yeah, I, it, I guess it did come from him. But real quick to that point, I think the other thing that I attached to it, uh, maybe uh, accidentally, is the idea that, like, you know, each camp had their rules. And I'm, I'm not a big rules person. And uh, when it comes to, like, you know, this is how we do things here. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that attached to it as well. So I kept going like, oh, well, this is what I got to do because I'm in this camp now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a big part of the world, right? Like they spend a lot of time talking about, you know, getting along with camps, working together, bonding together. I mean, like whether it's teamwork, whether it's forced or not. I mean, I think that theme comes up quite a bit in this in this entire game. So I think you're not wrong for saying that. Um, but yeah, I think in this particular case, in the Lost Lake Camp case, I think Schizo is like threatened by by how competent deacon is like how strong he is like how successful he is he's also threatened by boozer uh you know who's also like this tough guy who shows up out of nowhere and i think he just is like picking on you guys and like you know making your life shitty because he can but you know in the in the case of ada tucker's camp i i don't agree with her at all about running a slave camp but you know they even try to like give her some justification like when you get to the camp she's like oh these people they're not working everybody's so lazy and we're going to starve to death or we, we're going to we're going to die to the zombies because the fences aren't getting fixed because nobody works and you know i'm not saying that's a justification i don't agree with her at all but i do think it's interesting that the game did try to give her some justification instead of having her just be like this like raging slave owner kind of person i mean in, in their particular case, they were kind of positioning it as these people won't work. These people are stealing food from me. These people are stealing my guns. Mm. We are all going to die if I don't yeah. run it with an iron fist. And again, I don't agree with her, but I, I do think it's neat that they kind of tried to kind of it wasn't super black and white. I mean, pretty black and white, but it wasn't 100 percent black and white. Yeah, but just but the, the actions don't back that up, right? You know what I mean? Like, if you go to the camp, people are working. The one guy just gets beat up every time, which, by the way, should be at least a different AI script. Jeez, I agree. Be another I person. Agree. But yeah. I, it just didn't back up what you're saying. I know I get that's the premise, but... Yeah. Um, but back to the point of um, the camps. So this is kind of a mini spoiler, but, like... You can do big spoilers if you want to. No, I we know. Got the spoiler warning up. We're getting there. I have I have an order. I have an order. All right. All right. So to kind of finish off this like working with camps idea though is in the very beginning of the game I wanted to be the lone guy, you know, the lone zombie guy who fights zombies. You know, I'm gonna take over Deacon's personality that he doesn't want to get close to anybody anyhow. So I was like, well, let me just do that. But then I had to work with the camp to get my gas tank. Yep. Then the second tank of the second tank. I'm thinking of gas tanks. The second camp. I tried to work with very, very little because I hated that lady and what she stood for. Yeah, sure. And they made you here and there, but not a lot. They actually did let you like kind of skip a bunch of missions. Um, so for me, I didn't 100% it. I definitely did the least amount of missions with Ada uh, to kind of in quotes role play a little bit. And then with Lost Lake, I thought it was really interesting. We'll talk about the characters in a minute here. But I also didn't want to get attached to anybody there. I immediately didn't like Iron Mike. I immediately just was like kind of turned off by the vibe and schizo. I was like, just let me do two missions here and, and leave. Like I wanted to leave. 
but <laughs> I didn't realize that like the whole fucking game was attached to Lost Lake. Yeah, yeah, they are going to tell that story, and it doesn't matter what you want. You can know about <laughs> of a couple of side missions, but you're going to do those missions that tell the story. Yeah. You got no choice, buddy. You're stuck. Well, let's talk about Ricky. Ricky's such a good, similar to Deacon, such a fleshed out character. The actress who ever played her, incredible. Um, just such a real, and her, um, in quotes, girlfriend, also an incredible actress who I've seen in things before. And I can't remember what she's been in. I know. I totally recognize her. And I'm like, oh, you're an, you're a real actress. I know you from somewhere. Well, so is Deacon. He's like a huge famous actor. And I don't remember what he's been in, but he's been in a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. But But, I, I love Ricky. So tell me why you love Ricky. So I love, um, well, here's the thing. I love a woman in a game who is a real woman, right? (laughs) And is not like a... Uh, a, a, a fictitious thing to to play a certain role. Obviously, I don't want a damsel in distress, you know, unless that the story happens to be that way. But like, I just she just felt like someone I would talk to and someone I would get along with and someone I would like, you know, like similar to a Pan Am in my cyberpunk game. Like I enjoyed this person and I liked how she had toughness, but she had sensitivity and she they let the character jump back and forth between the two. You know, like there's yeah. there's a really cool moment that um, she tries to come on to Deacon, and it's such a tender, sensitive, awesome moment that's that's awkward, and it feels like real life. You're like, you know, trying to pull away, but is she really meaning something? Is she coming on to me? I don't know. And then there's a part where she's mad at him, and she's like giving him, you know, what's for when on the bike, and they're just yelling at each other. I just love the di- multifacetedness of her. Yeah, she's amazing. I love Ricky so much. Um, you know, she's like the mechanic of the Lost Lake camp. And, well, you know, like you said, when you when you meet her, she's in a relationship with Addie, who is the nurse. So you, you think that she's like a lesbian um, from the get-go. And, in fact, she has a history with Deacon. They were in a, a motorcycle club before, and she left. And she kind of alludes to, like, oh, I didn't let you guys know I was a lesbian because I didn't want to talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. And Deacon's cool. He's like, okay, whatever, like, no big deal. But as you get to know her more as you do missions together. She'll accompany you like uh, every so often on a mission, not all the time, but you know, a couple missions like Ricky's really interested in getting electricity back to the camp and she needs Deacon to back her up to like kill some freakers at the, uh, the power plant, et cetera, et cetera. Like uh, the more you, you ride out with her, like the, the more in depth a person she becomes, like she wants to know about your history. She shares a bit of her history. Like the conversation just feels really normal and natural, but it also feels like she's probing a little bit where She's testing Deacon, right? She's like, can I, like, number one, can I even trust you? And like, once trust is kind of established, she's like, well, you know, what kind of a guy are you? Like, are you going to be here if I need you? Are you going to be here for the camp? Are you going to bail first time things go south? Like, you know, and, and the further they go, like you said, like, you kind of find out that maybe she and Addie are not really the greatest fit. Like, she likes Addie, but it's not like a, you're my one and only forever kind of situation. And she's kind of like, you know, and, and in like a normal way, right? Like in a normal way where, where you're maybe not in a super committed relationship, but you're kind of testing the waters and she's, you know, clearly interested in Deacon. I think Deacon's clearly interested in her uh, because his wife is dead and so he's got nothing else and he kind of sees her as maybe an option. But he also, Deacon is a really good guy and I really liked that he respected what was going on between um, uh, Ada. No, that's not right. Addie. Addie, Addie. Addie, Addie yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Ricky. And he was like, like, I don't want to get in the middle of that. And he was kind of like, you know, like that to me seemed very real, right? Because you had this moment, like you alluded to, like one of, I think one of the best moments in the game, like one of the best written where Ricky's kind of taking care of Deacon's wounds and he's got his shirt off and they've been friends for a while at this point. And, uh, Addie's not around. And 
I think maybe Ricky's a bit tired of Addie's shit, and maybe they're not in such a great place in their relationship. I mean, how many people have you heard of in real life where they're going through a rough patch in their marriage or whatever, and then they, you know, their eye starts to wander a little bit. They start to think, and maybe this is not the right relationship for me, or maybe they, you know, they get themselves into trouble that way rather than simply breaking it off with that person. They start to, you know, I mean, it's it's a human thing, right? I'm not excusing it. I'm not condoning it. Um, and you know, I just, you know, that's not something that I would do, but it's very understandable, right? It's a thing, it's a thing that people do every single day and yeah. to see Ricky go through that kind of like internal, yeah, I'm with Addie, but Addie kind of sucks right now and we're not really getting along and we haven't got along for a while and here's Deacon and Deacon's a really cool guy and he's had my back the last couple missions and here we are all alone and I'm putting alcohol in his cuts and I'm pretty close to him, smells like maybe I could, you know. Smells pretty good for a dude. Maybe I'm going to come in for a kiss <laughs> or something. You know, Smells like it's pretty all, good for a dude. It's, That's all, like, it's all really well done, dude. Well, like, it's it's so, very believable. Yeah, it's so realistic. Uh, and, and the point of like, you know, just the simpleness of humanity when two people are near each other and it's just like one extra touch yep. me, means yep. something a little more. And, you're, and yep. so she goes and touches them again. And it's so cool how it's done. And also before that, like a couple of missions before, they go somewhere and she like takes off her clothes to go into the water and it's nothing like sexy, but it's more like she it's, it's leading up to it, you know? Yeah. And it's, again, this is a 60 to 80 hour game and you have these relationships and it really feels real. Like I love how they do that. And the relationship between her and Addie feels real and it they does. fight, you know? And you're like, wait, am I playing a zombie game? <laughs> I'm like <laughs> watching like a, a dispute, which reminded me of like walking dead when Walking Dead had drama points, right? Yeah. It wasn't just about torture porn, which it turned into, in my opinion. But like when it was more like, hey, what does this mean? My relationship's over. My husband's dead. You're here now. What What should we do? At some point, Ricky alludes to, I remember the line specifically. She's like, yeah, I'm with Addie, but this is the apocalypse, you know? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> mean, it's true. That's a good, it's a good line, dude. I know. And he's like, you're right. You're not wrong. Um, so, yeah. Beautifully done. I love uh, both those characters, Addie and Ricky. And yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed Ricky um, a lot. Yeah, I think she's really an amazing character. And I think most of the characters in this game, honestly, are pretty good. I really liked Iron Mike as well. I know you didn't care for him as a character, but I think I think he's really well written. Like I could I could identify with who he was. He's the the leader of the the uh, Lost Lake camp. He's like definitely like kind of wanting to be a pacifist in a world where violence is like an everyday thing. He's trying to see the best in people. He's giving people the benefit of the doubt. He's giving them second and third chances when maybe they don't deserve it. And it eventually comes back to bite him in the ass. Like, it, he he pays the price for that. But I can I can understand that character, right? I can see where he's coming from. And, you know, he got really mad when people disappoint him because maybe he's disappointed himself for giving them another chance. Maybe he feels stupid that he did that. But he keeps doing it because that's, that's who he is, right? Like, he wants to believe in the best of people. He wants to believe that every single person who survived the apocalypse can band together, whether we are in the same group or not. Like, and you know, eventually that doesn't turn out to be true, but I, I get his idealism. And even though he's a pretty prickly bastard, I think he's a really well done character. I agree, but he's always the character in zombie movies that dies, you know, like, Oh, for sure. And so sure. like I, as a person who's watched this kind of entertainment knew from a mile away, don't trust him because he's going to get us all killed. Secondly, they didn't do they did him a disservice that actor slash character because you know you can't really um reasonably make an alliance with the rippers 
because we just talked about them. They will set themselves on fire. They will cut their face. Yeah. And yeah, Iron so, Mike wants to have a treaty with them. And he wants to have a treaty with them. So that's a problem. Like, I think that was a little bit of a far-fetched thing. If they would have, like, delved into the fact that he had this treaty with Carlos, which I want to talk about next, because um, it's me. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler, it, it's Carlos. It's me. I'm in this game. But... um you know, if, if they could have showed more of those scenes or something, right? But, like, we don't even see Carlos until it's too late. It's like a big ultimatum moment. Yeah. So I think that that wasn't believable to me. Uh, and probably the Just only pause thing pause on that there. for a second. Let's pause that for a second. I think that what you're bringing up is a really good point. And something that actually occurred to me several times during the game where they're telling the story of Deacon St. John. And a lot of times stuff happens that Deacon is not a part of. And so we have to kind of, as the player, just take it for granted. Like, exactly like you said, uh, you know, Iron Mike has been, you know, I don't know, like dealing with the Rippers somehow. And he somehow has established a treaty with these psychos. And Carlos is the leader of the Rippers. And somehow he's got this agreement with Carlos. And you don't see that, right? Like, you're not a part of it because Deacon's not a part of it. And so you just have to take it on faith that that's what happened. Which is a really weird thing because, like, in terms of gameplay from the player's perspective... It's not often that we don't get to see and do every single thing as in terms of a story, right? Like most of the time you're the the key action maker. You're doing things, you're making choices. And to play a game like this where a lot of times I was like, but wait, what happened to that thing? Oh, well, I guess Deacon wasn't there, so I wouldn't have seen that. It was kind of a – it made sense perfectly from a narrative perspective. But from a gameplay perspective, it definitely gave me pause more than a few times. And I think this thing with the treaty was definitely one of them. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to tell such a huge story, like an RPG. Oh, massive story. Right, yeah. so you're like, okay, I'm just going to have to fill these gaps in, and you just, you you weren't at that meeting, you know? Yeah, you can't do every single thing in the whole story. It would take forever, right, yeah. Real quick, Carlos tangent. So yes. the Carlos thing is a little bit of, of um, uh, I'm upset, okay? Can Why are you upset? All right, fill us not, in. And not because my name is Carlos, but because I, and I'm not in many games, by the way. There's not many Carloses in games. Most of the time, they are drug dealers, and they are, you know, not unsavory <laughs> characters, and that I have a problem with that, too. But this one I have even more of a problem with, Bend, Oregon, Bend Studios, because Carlos in this character, uh, or in this game, is the leader of the Rippers. He's supposed to be a real bad dude, and he is a real bad dude. And he does some torture, and he's he's mean, and he's uh, he's changed, and he's ex-military, and he's lost his mind, and he's a crazy person now. Uh, I don't use that lightly. He's just like mean-spirited and also like uh, violent. Yes. So um, the problem is his name's fucking Jesse, and his name isn't Carlos. And I'm real fucking mad at the developers for basically what the fuck did they use Carlos for then? Like, what the <laughs> fuck, bro? Like, there's no reason to use, you know, a Hispanic name in this scenario whatsoever. He's white. He's an ex-military guy. He's going to just take on the facade of Carlos? Like, I'm sorry, but, like, if it was a different type of name for a different nationality, it would also be weird. You know, like, wouldn't it, you know, like, think of any other nationality and just pick a name that's more associated with that. I mean, I, I agree with you, dude. I, I thought that was really strange. Um, I, you know, I expected the leader of the Rippers to be called something like Blood Drinker or, yeah. you know, Colon Cutter. Or, or, or something how about like Jesse? <laughs> it, it was weird. And, you know, so the reason that he changed his name, I mean, I guess in the game, I'm, I'm assuming they want to show that this guy, Jesse, was reinventing himself, right? So he's no longer Jesse from the old world. He is now Carlos of the new world. 
I, I have no fucking clue why he picked Carlos. That's, I agree with you. That seems like a very unusual and strange name to pick. Maybe it was an homage to somebody on the dev team. Maybe it was a reference to somebody from a TV show. Maybe that's somebody from the, the, the Sons of Anarchy TV show. I have no idea. It was really weird, and I agree with you. I'm like, when they finally got to that story reveal and um, when Deacon meets Carlos for the first time, he's like, wait a minute. You're not Carlos. You're fucking Jesse that I used to know back in the day. That was like... What? Like, why are you calling yourself Carlos? That is so Dude, strange. I'm, shaking my, I'm shaking my head no this whole time you're talking. I'm like, uh, none of those defensive positions I will accept. You know, like, maybe he did it because of this. Maybe it's one of the developers. Sorry, guys. It's weird. And it's like, I don't want to say it's a racial thing, but it feels like it to me. It really does feel wrong. I mean, it, it, it feels weird. It feels wrong. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's a reference. Maybe Jesse thought that Carlos was a really... Maybe he knew a really cool dude named Carlos growing up, and he wanted to be just like Carlos. Maybe it was like an homage in a positive way. I don't know, dude. I, I know. No he, he knew a really violent, like crazy person named Carlos. He's like, yeah, I'll be like that guy. I'll reinvent myself as like that crazy Carlos I met I, once. It's, it was weird. It was it's weird, weird, and I will not accept it. I, that's the only thing I really like. am mad about in the game. Yes, that was but, very strange. Okay, so minus that, he should have been called Jesse the whole time, or like you said, Blood Drinker. Like, oh, you're gonna go talk to you know Blood Drinker? Oh no, it's Jesse. That makes sense. Yeah, that would have made more. That to me would have made more sense because the Carlos thing was really strange. Carlos thing's really weird. Anyways, um, the other thing is Taylor. So later in, the, we're just talking about characters right now, but it later, um, and we'll talk about the ending and kind of like three quarters of the way through, and then the actual ending. But Taylor's another character that I really liked, but ended up being a bad guy. So tell us who Taylor is. So Taylor was a guy you meet later in the, the thir- three quarters of the way through the game at the last camp, which is basically like the fortress where there's a sergeant and spoiler, you meet up with your wife. Your wife we'll, is alive. Your wife is alive. And we'll get can we, to that Can we part. just pause for a second here? I mean, dude, you spend, I mean, I don't know about you, man, but like for me, it was like 40 or 40. 50 hours in this game thinking your wife is dead the entire time. And like, I knew, right? Like, you know, you know, she can't be dead. Yeah. Cause that's not how games like this work, but boy, man, they make you work for it and they keep it held back until like so far in the game, dude. I was like for like 45 hours in the game. It's like, wait a minute, your wife's not dead. I'm like, what? Oh my God. Like, I mean, nuts. That was crazy how long they made you wait for it. It's pretty deep in there. And yeah, I, I didn't mean to like just jump into the wife thing right, right now. Right. But um, it, but yeah, she is alive. <laughs> um, and it, it does take a long time to get yeah. to her. Okay, so Taylor, Taylor. But yeah, but anyways, for other just character bits, like, you know, he's in this one of these last missions or last bases. And he's comic relief. And I love when they do comedy in games because it's so hard to do. And you have a funny actor. I think this actor is probably just funny. And I, I feel like he's also recognizable. And he's just like this guy who happens to be there and kind of a recruit. But he also doesn't understand why they're doing all this stuff and why they're being so militaristic about it. And he's just kind of going along for the ride. And I loved him off the bat. Like, I was like, he's a funny guy. He doesn't give a shit. He's going to be like the second or third or fourth in command. Like, he'll never be like the main head honcho. And when they're doing the recruitment, remember, everybody holds their hand up. Yep. To be like, yeah, yeah, I'm one of the new people. You pledge, you pledge into you the new pledge, yep. yeah. And he like just kind of holds his hand up. He's like, does anybody care that I'm here? And it's hilarious. Like every line he said, it was like really, really good. And I was like laughing. Then they just turn him into a, um, a druggie. Like this yep. guy who can't be trusted and turns on everybody. And I, I just was frustrated about that. Because it was about to be comedy. And they did do some good comic bits. 
But I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, it's sorely missing from games for me. I mean, I agree. And I think that that was one of the, again, one of the interesting parts where they decided to, they could have expanded on that. I think, um, you know, okay, by this point, you've probably been playing the game 40, 50, 60 hours. So I get it. They, you know, they probably want to like get the game to end before everybody, you know, just gets burned out on it. I get it. Uh, I was still going pretty strong by this point. I could have, I could have gone longer in this particular game, but I get what they're doing. And like, you're right. Like they introduced Taylor. He's goofy. You're at this new camp. He seems like a friendly face. And you don't really know anybody. It seems like, you know, maybe a good dude. Maybe he's going to be a bro. Who knows? And then he turns out to be this druggie. And he end, ends up killing the camp doctor. And it's weird because the camp doctor is also somebody who could have been a really cool character as well. Yeah. You know, he had, um, uh, you know, this background. And, you know, it seems like he wants to be friends with Deacon. Seems like maybe they're going to respect each other. Maybe they could have a good alliance going. Seems like maybe you're going to take the doctor out into the shit. And maybe, you know, go on a couple missions with him. Seems like he's going to be a bro. And then, you know, before you know it, like, Taylor... Uh, wants some of the oxycodone that the doctor has the doctor gets killed and you're not there again it's like it's a thing that deacon is not privy to he's off doing a mission and when you come back it's like oh fuck taylor killed the doctor and you don't see it and it's weird because it happens so quick i was totally thinking you were going to get a couple more missions out of taylor a couple more missions out of the doctor yeah and they truncated it i think they could have really gotten some drama out of that but again you know by this time you're like 50 hours deep in the game and i think they were maybe not sure about how much further or how much more patience players would have had uh, you know, if they decided to go on this jag with these two guys. Here, here's what I, here's my point then is, and I bring it up now before we talk about the ending, because I wish, like you said, this is 40 hours in, right? Yeah. I, wish it, I wish at hour 10, like a Taylor would have popped up, right? Yeah. Because yeah. this, this whole game is heavy duty stuff, man. It's like depressing and dark and yeah, there's some moments of light, but not many. And Ricky has some really great moments of light, including remember when they turned the power on. That's a magical moment. That's a great moment. Great. Scene. Oh, so great cool. Scene. So, but they needed more of that. And I feel like Taylor's a perfect, and whoever the actor is, just wasted. I feel like it was wasted because, like you said, it was truncated and probably a development cycle as well. Let's be realistic. They were probably like, you know, they had to cut some stuff. Yeah, and, I'm sure. I'm sure they cut and some stuff. And he had. Sure maybe four other missions, you know? So it just felt shortened. And I think they, they would have introduced him earlier. I would have loved it because I, agree, I, I, agree. I love the comedy that he was, he was laying down. Um, and then one other character I want to talk about when we can talk about the ending is Schizo because that motherfucker, oh, uh, dude, I hate that guy. I wanted to kill that guy from the get go. And from they, the get -go. they, you know, he's a weasel, you know, he's like second in command. He's like hungry for power. He's kind of like shit talking Iron Mike behind his back. So, you know, you can't really trust him. Deacon like totally blows him off from the beginning. He knows he's like no good. And man, that fucking guy, dude, that fucking guy. Yeah. And the fact is like, you know, he keeps coming back up in the in the in the game. And we'll talk about the ending, how he pops back up there. But um, I, I think that for all of them, how much I don't like him, they did a great job. Right. Like that actor, like. Whoever they picked, again, these are we're talking about actors here and like really yeah, great performances. Yeah. Like that schizo guy was uh, one of those people you love to hate. And I fucking hated him. So good job, Mister so good Mr. Job. Actor. Yeah, yes. well, seriously. Like you know, we played games where they're cookie cutter characters, right? Or they're the bad guy who's like so paint by numbers. You know, I will get you. Blah blah blah. This is like someone you could see being that person, and you're like, yeah, yeah you're like you said, a, a hungry, a power hungry guy who's just gonna fuck everybody over and and pretend to be the nice guy and you go on missions and you're like wait is this guy on my side or not oh but yeah and they, you know they did a pretty you. good job of like threading that needle right because you see this guy he seems like a fucking douche you know he's going to betray you but then he starts acting solid for a while 
Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I was wrong about you. And then he, like, fucks you over. You're like, goddamn, you fucking asshole. <laughs> fucking schizo. Yeah, fucking schizo. And then he gets solid for a while again. And they, they did a really good job of, like, showing schizo kind of poking and prodding and looking for weaknesses and seeing what he can get away with. And you never quite knew where you stood with him. And for me, in real life, I stay far away from people like that. If I don't, oh, if yeah. I can't count on you, you got no place in my life, right? So I would never have anything to do with a schizo. But in this case, you have no choice. And you just, you just fucking don't know with this guy whether he's just a weirdo jerk and you can actually trust him or if he's actually kind of double dealing you of course he stabs you in the back but like up until that point when it's confirmed like you i don't know about you but i was like god i just don't know about this guy like i feel like he's scum but maybe he's not scum and oh he is scum okay but but up until that point i was genuinely questioning yeah that again that's uh, brilliant on their end and also brilliant uh name choice you just like every time deacon goes fucking schizo i'm like fucking schizo <laughs> with You're a name like, like that i mean he could not be a good guy There's i know no, i know yeah. okay let's just jump to the end because i think there's a lot of stuff that happens in the in quotes end because remember it doesn't end yeah, right away uh and we've kind of you know just discussed the different characters and there's a lot more characters as you play through it or you've already probably played through it if you're listening to this and there's a lot of missions and then near the end you surprise surprise find out that you know there's a real good chance that your wife is alive you've kind of like thought about it you've kind of decided she wasn't and then now you decided she is again and also not just fucking schizo but fucking o'brien fucking O'Brien. yeah so o'brien is the guy so he's the guy who was uh, who took sarah away when deacon very first put her on the ho- uh helicopter to be taken to the hospital o'brien was the guy staffing the helicopter and you you meet up with him somehow i forget like you see him you see a helicopter or something and you run into o'brien again and you're like hey you're that motherfucker who took my wife away back in the day and you kind of have a relationship with him. So, so like the main story is like, you're kind of meeting with O'Brien. O'Brien is still working for um, Nero, which is kind of like a CIA sort of a agency. They're kind of like flying around in helicopters. They've clearly got supplies or still got, they're working with the skeleton government. And he's the one who's like, well, if you help me, I'll help you get back in touch with Sarah. I'll find out what happened to her. Maybe I can find the records or whatever. So that's how you eventually get back on the trail, right? You find O'Brien, he's still alive. And then he leads you to Sarah. Fucking O'Brien. Yeah, because he's a douchebag because he makes you do stealth missions, though. And I hate those missions so much. So that's why you thats why you don't like him, because he's actually not a douchebag. But you just, you just think he's a douche because well, he makes you do stealth. okay, no, 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 no. He's also a douchebag because not necessarily maybe the character, but the developers make you do missions that aren't really part of the story. He's like, can you go find some information for me? And if right. you think about it, most of the stuff you're getting for him isn't really helping. Like, that's why I say fucking O'Brien. It's, yeah, yeah I didn't I mean, want to... It's helping O'Brien. It's not helping you. It's, but helping, it's helping O'Brien, O'Brien, so fucking O'Brien. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't want to do the stealth missions either, but also the stuff I'm doing for him, he's like, can you just do one more mission? And I'm like, no, dude, just tell me what you know, and then I'll leave you alone. Like, sure, so... Sure, Yeah, fucking O'Brien. Anyways, uh, you do use some of his information and basically get to this last camp... Uh, which is a fortress. You get in there, you find your wife. And just like me and you were like texting and DMing, like we thought this would be this really cool moment. And it fucking wasn't. It was really weird. It was awkward. You meet your wife. She's like, I can't really talk right now. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I spent 45 hours in a video game to meet you. Um, I think you can talk right now. And you just have to accept, which I kind of like too, by the way, that you're not going to have this bullshit like romantic moment and yeah. life has got weird and you have to go do other things now. And then like later, maybe try to break her out and maybe you guys can be together. 
Totally. I mean, so keep in mind, I mean, I agree with you, like, 100%. Like, you're playing 45, 50 hours, you get to Sarah, you're like, finally! And then, you know, in typical gamer fashion, which I admit to, you know, I was like, oh, we're gonna, uh, you know, I don't know, we're, it's gonna be a great reunion, she's gonna cry, I'm gonna cry, it's gonna, we're gonna kiss, it's gonna be, you know, we're gonna talk, and no, nah, man, none of that shit happens, dude, because, again, more than two years have passed by this. In fact, I think by this point, it's like two and a half years by the time that you meet Sarah, you've been thinking she's dead this whole time. She thought you were dead this whole time, right? And so she's been in this camp working with these people the whole time. Tough situation where everybody is shit talking her, clearly misogynist to these to her. Like everybody's like, you know, talking about how she looks and they want to like bang her and she's also like a scientist. And I mean it's it's gotta be hard, right? She's she's got this going on. She's not in a safe place. And on top of that, you know, it is, I mean, I don't know if you want to reveal this or not, but like, she's also got this other stuff that's been on her mind the whole time. After she got to the camp, she realized that she uh, is a botanist, with which they go into like way earlier in the game. But it is revealed that the lab that she was working at while she was dating Deacon is the one that was kind of responsible for the zombie virus. And she realizes that in the interim when she thinks Deacon is dead. And so she's taken on all this guilt. Like she's like, everything that's kind of happened is kind of my fault or at least part of my fault. Yeah. Or I had a hand in it and I'm working in, I'm trying to fix this and all these guys won't stop talking about my fucking ass and everybody wants to fucking bang me and I don't want to bang anybody and I'm scared and I'm nervous and I don't feel safe here and this is shitty. And also I think I caused the fucking apocalypse and I feel bad about that. So she's got like a lot on her plate. Right. And so when Deacon shows up out of the blue, she looks shocked. Deacon looks shocked, but then pretty quickly it seems clear. Like she kind of signals to you quietly, like, you know, like, no, man, don't don't say nothing now because this is not the right time. This is not safe. This is not cool. And it sucks. Like, that is, like, the biggest fucking, like, screeching halt to, like, an emotional buildup I think I've ever felt in a game. Right? Yeah, like, ever. In any ever. game. Yeah, me too. I think so, too. Because, I, you know, we, we were both like, we're going to get through this game. You know, we're gonna, now we're invested. Totally, totally, and totally. so because we were so invested, you get that moment and you go, it's it's not what I thought. So I'm going to say two, two parts of this. I, I, I feel two ways of it. One kudos to making them both making us both feel something we haven't felt in the game oh dude hardcore Hardcore. because i mean we we play games for these moments like that's really cool like i like that that happened the other part though is i don't believe it so like in the world that is there you know like i don't believe that character would have done that now i know that she's feeling all these feelings of causing the apocalypse Mm. um and i know that she thought deacon's dead but think about two years. If I think about an ex-girlfriend two years ago, I mean, there's still something there. I'm, you know, even if I thought she was dead, I don't know. I just feel like two years isn't long enough. Also, everybody at that camp, most everybody is like, terrible, right? There's like a lot of like militaristic type people, sure. including the leader, who is pretty much like again like a Walking Dead TV show. Yeah, like a just religious psychopath. Dude. Someone crazy, and you can't follow that person with any sort of sensibility in your mind. So while I understand what they're going for and I appreciate what they did, I still don't know if the character would do that because there's just so much going against it. Um, I don't know. I felt a little bit hard uh, for me to believe that she would deal with all that um, and, and be following this crazy leader. I mean, I, I, I think that the direction they went was a good one and a really interesting one. Like, cause like you said, I don't know if I've ever felt that in a game before. I don't know that any game has tried to pull that before. Um, I, I agree with you. I think there should have been more recognition because they genuinely loved each other, right? Like they were, they were in love. They were very happy. And you know, she thought he's been dead this whole time. I think for me, I think it would have worked and it, it kind of, 
it kind of did work because they do spend a lot of time with them later on as as the game progresses. But I think at least initially, I would have it would have sold it to me better if she had kind of played up the whole it's super not safe to talk right now. We are not safe right here. If they had given it a little bit more of a um, a danger to to show the player like, hey, I still love you, but this is I can't talk to you right now because we're both going to get killed or something or maybe. You know, there's too many ears around. People are going to catch us doing whatever. That kind of would have sold it to me a little bit more. But I think what the game does instead is they kind of lean more on her guilt of causing the zombie apocalypse, which you don't know at that time. But she is thinking about the guilt and she's so busy with, like, trying to, um, you know, make amends for causing the freakers to come into existence that she's kind of, like, super preoccupied, which I get. But I think I agree with you where it didn't quite work for me i think they could have played it a little bit differently because i agree with you i think a little bit you know some tears maybe or maybe just a little bit of like a you know oh, meet me at midnight or something or exactly i, I really want to talk to you but we can't talk right now because we're going to get a bullet in the head or something you know something yeah. like that would have been okay the way they played it i think was maybe slightly off target for me yeah the biggest problem is is it, they attach game mechanics to it too so they go in order to make this game longer which they didn't need to do you go do missions for her and i'm like that's the wrong fucking move man yeah because yeah. that literally also takes you out of the game and you're going like wait can't we and and smart smartly enough later on they do a mission where you drive with her yes, and then you yes. get to fucking like have sex in a cabin and it's fucking cool you rebuild and like, you rebuild you reconnect rebuild which is good. all that could have been done earlier because i just feel like you are you spent so much time getting there then you basically are put on put on hold yes, yes. For, like you said not for like a dangerous reason but just because oh it, she's in a different headspace now you know yeah. it, it just didn't feel right so i agree dude man I, Matt, the, fir- the first mission you do after meeting sarah and then she's like you got to do this mission that was the most miserable fucking feeling yeah. in the world where like here's this person you spent 40 50 hours finding she's like i got time for you right now we can't talk right now and please go get me these five weeds over by the lake or whatever oh. and then you got to go fucking do the mission and i'm like what is going on here man like this yeah. is very strange they do they do come back to it they do fix it i feel like it gets to a good place eventually but i do 100% agree that like that initial meeting and how that initial like emotional response happens, it doesn't feel entirely 100% dialed into me. Again, we're, we're, I know we're nitpicking because games are fucking hard, just like movies. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt as you're listening, but it's because they've done so many things. Well, you know, like they did so much stuff that is believable. We just talked about Ricky and we talked about, fucking schizo and you know and yeah, all these so much characters. of it is totally on point dude like bang 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 like so good okay so here's here's another example of a really strange directorial choice i'm gonna ask your opinion on this carlos so before you find sarah is still alive when you still think she's dead there's one mission where deacon needs to go to a church and it's the church where he got married so it causes him to have a flashback uh and so they go in this long flashback about him and sarah they they're you know i don't know reminiscing and whatever they're getting ready for the wedding they do the wedding it is like the sweetest, most touched. I was so touched, and I thought that scene was so perfect. I'm like, oh my god, this is like so emotional, and I didn't cry. Maybe I thought about perhaps crying. I didn't cry, but I was like, man, this is like such a well done scene. But in the middle of this extremely emotional, touching, possibly tear jerking scene, you get yanked out of your reminiscence because like five random bikers show up and you got to kill them because. They were just driving down the road and saw your motorcycle. You kill them, and then you go right back to reminiscence. And I'm like, oh, oh God, you yeah. totally fucked that. Did that bother you? 
It didn't bother me as much, but I, I was it felt out of place because I was like, why are you taking me out of this moment oh, to go God, it was just kill people? Crazy. Why did you interrupt that whole dramatic buildup to kill five rando losers and then put me back in it? That was so strange. Yeah, it was strange, but I did like the ending because you get to like burn down the church and go like, that's it. That memory's over, and I like that a lot. I mean, um, that whole sequence was good, except for killing five rando dudes in the middle of it, which was like yeah. the most weird thing ever. Yeah. There's a couple of moments like that again, where yeah. I don't know why they're adding extra gameplay. Cause you're, we're talking about a long game. Yeah. So, and this might be higher ups, you know, again, just similar to cyberpunk and other things. There are people that are not just the people working on the game, but other people that come in or creative directors and they go, you know what? We need another fucking fight scene here. Um, so who knows who made that decision? So I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I will. Let's also talk about that sergeant character just for a half a second. Obviously, he's terrible. Uh, the sergeant. Which sergeant? Sergeant Corey. Uh, what, who's the last uh, main zealot? You know, crazy person uh, who like is doing a holy war. The who's oh in oh, oh the, the leader, the leader of the camp, the 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 leader guy, not the sergeant yeah. guy, but the, the colonel or whatever. The colonel. Oh, colonel is the word. Yeah, yeah. Colonel correct. something something. Yeah, Sergeant Corey is the black guy who is pretty cool. No, the he's colonel, cool. yeah. Yeah, the colonel is the religious guy who's got the Bible. Yeah, that guy. So, but by the way, just speak to Sergeant Corey. That, we said that's his name, Sergeant Corey? Sergeant Corey, yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, I didn't want to like him because obviously he's got Sarah's ring, and I'm like, what's going on? Well, yeah, um, like you should explain that. Like explain that when that happens because that that's a pretty big moment, actually. Yeah, you, in the first camp you meet, before you meet this uh, crazy colonel, you meet uh, the sergeant. And again, these are all new camps for you. And you're just trying to find your wife and you know she's here. So you're frustrated. You're, you're freaking out. You want to find her. And this guy that you meet has got your ring that you gave her. And he's just wearing it like all regular. <laughs> you're like, like, it's like nothing. Yeah. Like it's nothing. And you don't bring it up. And again, Deacon doesn't even like fathom it. Doesn't even like look at it. Uh, doesn't say what, what is, what are you doing with my ring? He just like, uh, you know, looks the elsewhere and says, there's nothing wrong here. And that's when he goes, goes into another huge lie spiral <laughs> when he says he, he doesn't have a lady and he doesn't have a picture of her and, uh, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, later on, you know, you, you, you he turns out he just happens to have the ring because yeah. Sarah was at the camp. And but what a moment, right? What a crazy moment. Like you're coming for your wife. You think she's at this camp. You meet this guy. It's a super unique ring. Like there's no way it's anybody's ring other than yours. And when you see it on this guy's finger, you're like, I mean, I don't know about you, dude, but I'm like, oh my god, like, is she dead? Is is this her new husband? Did yeah. he, she get married? She thought I was. Is I was this like, oh, her new fuck, husband? What is going on? No, I was more like, do I have to fight this guy like right now? I mean, it was crazy. You you don't know what was going to happen. That was a really interesting moment that really threw the story for like a hard left turn because unexpected. Yeah. What does it mean? Who knows? Like, oh, it was crazy, dude. Crazy moment. But what's interesting, and I'm going to come back to this in my ending, my final thoughts, is that there was a lot of characters in this game, again, kudos to the developers, that I didn't want to like, and then I ended up liking. And he was one of them. I was like, yeah. he's a sergeant guy, military, don't care. I don't care what you guys are doing here. I don't I don't believe in your cause. You know, I hadn't even met the colonel yet, but I just didn't even already believe them. I was like... What do you guys think you're trying? You know, like it's crazy yeah. out there. So I didn't want to like him near the end. He sacrifices himself. He does all these really good things for you. And he's a nice guy. And I did missions for him. So, yeah. Uh, but no, the colonel, total terrible person. And he literally calls people that he doesn't like lowlifes and says, similar to a Trumpian person we might know, oh, yes. um, he literally says the problems of the world are lowlifes, and, and he doesn't really say 
what that means or, or what types of people there are, but just people that he deems unworthy or like, you know, uh, yeah, unworthy, essentially. And he literally says it's a holy war and he goes fucking crazy. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying I definitely did not like that guy. But I did think it was interesting because when you see Sergeant Curry with his ring with your ring on, immediately you're like, you might be an OK guy, but I'm gonna have to kill you at some point. Right. And then, like, you meet the <laughs> the other scientist who kind of works with Sarah, this other guy who is kind of like kind of a douche, but kind of he's OK. Oh, and, you're right. It's similar. It's like I yeah. wanted to hate him right away. Yeah. Yeah. Like you think he's a jerk and he kind of like. It seems like he's nice, but then he like he's an asshole to you. But then he's like nice again, and then he kind of chill. Like they do a lot of this human, this human um, characterization where no one is entirely black or white, no one is entirely good or bad. Um, you yeah. know, even even the worst characters I think have maybe like one or two slightly redeeming qualities to them. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But I mean, they do go out of their way to try to make all these people human, which I really appreciated. And it just it just made them so much more believable and it made the whole situation so much more believable, which I think, again, kind of getting back to your earlier point, would have made choices in this game so incredibly nail-biting if there were choices to be made. Like, can you imagine going out on a couple missions with Schizo? You think he's a fucking douchebag, but then he has your back for like the next two missions and you're like, oh, maybe I was wrong about him. And then you have to make a choice. Help Schizo, don't help Schizo. Like, how fucking... Tense right. would that be, dude? Or like with Sergeant Curry, you think this guy might be your wife's new husband? Do I, are we friends? Or is this going to be a three way? Do I got to kill him? What's going to happen? And then if you had to make a choice, help Curry, don't help Curry. Like, dude, that would be a crazy, tense, nuts decision. Unfortunately, you don't do any of those things. But how human these characters are, that would have made the choices so hard. Dude, I tell you what, I would have made all the wrong decisions. I, Same. Because Same. Be, because uh, the scientist you just mentioned, he's the one who was like, man, she's got a great ass, right? He does. And he talks about wanting to bang her and stuff. Wanting and to bang like, Sarah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, fuck this guy forever. And then later, I ended up like, in quotes, kind of befriending him a little bit. Yes. And I went and got him his MP3 player. Did you yep. get him his MP3 player? I totally got him his MP3 player. I, <laughs> and he I was, was like, thanks, what, dude. Yeah, I wonder what would happen if you didn't get it. I mean, clearly there must be a slightly different ending if you don't get it to him. But um, yeah, I was, I yeah, he turns out to be an okay guy. Like he started off as a douche, but then he was like, oh, you know, he was only surface douche, and then beneath beneath that, he was a pretty decent guy. So it, it yeah. kind of worked out. Um, real quick, we're pretty much at the end. We'll talk a couple things, then we'll talk about your epilogues. But at the very last few scenes, um, there's obviously the horde thing we can talk about. But before we talk about the horde, when you're going off to do like one of these one of these last missions, I noticed a lot of the cutscenes that I had at least were low poly. Did you get some of those? Mm, not really. Like we mean with character models and stuff. Yeah, like and the truck had like no texture on it. No, I didn't have that problem. Ooh, well, um, I'm thinking because in QA. You're in like a, like an RPG, hour 60, and things are going to slip through the cracks. You know what sure, I mean? Sure. So there was definitely some weird cutscenes that had no textures. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't get that at all. Mine, I, I, my, my playthrough was technically flawless, except for one moment where I did a giant jump off of a ramp into like a valley, and the game was like trying to render the valley, but I was moving too fast. And it, it chugged for like a second, but that was oh, okay. the only problem I had. I only saw one during one of our last, like he was, you're getting that big truck ready, remember? And yes, uh, yes, Boozer yes. and stuff. And it was like all the textures were missing from the from the truck. Anyways, no, besides that, anyway. um, the to, before we leave the last story bits, the horde bit that we're both mad about, I think hordes... Uh, again, really don't do anything for me in this game. They're only frustrating. Uh, I like at times when they're used in a story where you have to deal with them and they kind of give you that fear, um, and that's cool. But the way that they 
put them on you at the end of the game in this last map. They essentially give you a million side missions where you could kill all these hordes. You never would want to do it. I mean, you have you a masochist. Um, it's not fun. I think that they do a really bad job of uh, this upgrade, which is called Napalm, where you feel like it's going to be a badass upgrade, and then it's really just a Maltov. Yeah, um, they make you think like this is going to be the thing that turns the tide. I'm finally going to be be able to put the smack down on these hordes. We're going to like get rid of this and clean up the countryside. And it's just like I can't even really tell what the difference is between the Molotov and the Napalm, honestly. Yeah, it just slightly burns longer or more, but it's it's annoying. Like, and I think all those missions near the end were just so frustrating. And we talked about it even I think on previous podcasts. So we don't have to, but it's just like you have to go back and get supplies. You always run out. It was just a fail, in my opinion. Um, and it didn't even need it. I don't think you even needed that mission, one of the last horde missions, because it didn't do anything for you. It just made you, it just made me wait longer to get to the ending. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think that the the hordes are actually used properly in this game. I think they're best used, in, in my opinion. Uh, I know a lot of people actually like fighting the hordes. Many of the comments I got were people who said that was their favorite part of the game, wow. which is crazy to me. But, you know, you like what you like, right? But for me, I think the most effective use of the hordes was just as like a fear or, or like deterrent where if you need to get someplace, like trying to figure out how to get around the horde or to not be spotted by the horde was pretty nail biting and pretty, pretty panic inducing. Um, but, you know, you end up having to fight. The story makes you fight three hordes that you cannot get around because it's part of the story. And I just it's just not fun. Right. Like they rush you. I never felt like I was in control. I never felt like I had a good handle on what I was doing. It ended up being just me like a lot of running away and a sh- couple pot shots backwards or throwing a Molotov backwards keep running and with the later hordes where there's some where you have your motorcycle available shoot some jump on the bike run away get to a safe distance shoot some more ride away it's just it's just not fun like i just didn't think any of it was fun i didn't ever get um any weapons where i felt like all of a sudden i was badass i just felt like i was always just struggling and just never really mastering that part of the game so maybe it was a failing of not tutorializing this properly maybe it was a balance issue or or maybe that was what they were going after. Maybe they just wanted you to have that experience of just like struggling against something that was so unbeatable. It just it ended up not being fun. And the first one that you meet, uh, I think it's the, the Chimult Horde where you have to kind of go to this community college. It was really frustrating. I died at it like maybe 12 or 15 times. And I just I eventually had to go to like YouTube to find out some tips because I was just like not making any progress. And yeah. it was just this giant like stopping point in the story, which I did not appreciate. So that to me is probably the game's biggest fall down is like when you actually fight those required horde fights because you're not adequately prepared for them and they're just really tough. And in fact, on easy mode, I don't know if this is for you or not. If you fail those three or four times, it's just like, would you like to skip this? And like, oh, yeah, I was really tempted, but I didn't want to. So I actually I did keep at it and I finally beat them. But I mean, the very fact that they're like, we're just going to let you skip this kind of shows that they didn't really polish it as much as they should have. It wasn't really what it should have been. So, you know, they gave you that escape hatch in case people like myself couldn't naturally get past it. I would have, I mean, I would have rather just not dealt with it or give me better weapons or teach me a better way to fight the hordes. I feel like they just drop you in the deep end there. Yeah, two things to that. One, uh, I guess I was on easy mode because I did see that skip scene. So does that only happen in easy mode? Only on easy mode, yeah. Okay, I guess I was in that. I didn't even know. Um, but uh, I also didn't skip any. I just like, no, I'm going to get through this. Yeah, I did too. I powered through. The lumber uh, lumber yard, whatever it's called, yeah. that was like the worst one. And it took me an hour. Like I just basically kept just driving around on my bike, getting away from them, taking out 20 more. It just was annoying, you know. It's boring and it's tedious and it's, yeah, it is. It's super annoying. And the other part that doesn't work is 
well, two parts really quick to be intricate about it. Um, if you're nerdy about this, then maybe you'll enjoy it. But when it comes to the AI, the AI, they're treating it like um, they act as a unit. While that's interesting for certain things like uh, traversal and pathfinding, for this type of scenario, especially like with a mission structure that you get to finish, uh, like, you know, just killing all of them, it's, it's broken because it doesn't, it breaks the immersion of the game because you're, you're, you're alerting like three that are off to the side and then all of them kind of like respond. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't happen every time, but it happens more times than not. Like you, you, it's really like um, reflexive AI where it just goes, okay, if these three are alerted and they're anywhere near us, everybody's going to go at you. And yeah. that is pretty damn annoying. Um, I, will, I will say, I, I agree with you 100%, but they do give a story justification for it. If you find one of the um, audio logs, there's not many audio logs in this game, which I am extremely grateful for, but there are some. And if you find them, they're kind of like special collectibles. And in one of them, they talk about that there's a theory where the freakers are working on a hive mind. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're all kind of sharing, like, one consciousness or something like that, which I guess would, whatever, explain why the one dude way off to the left alerts the entire horde where you're at. But I agree with you. In terms of a gameplay perspective, it was not fun right. to try to pick off one guy in the end, and then all of a sudden you've got, like, 500 zombies on top of you. It's just really frustrating, and it just did not feel very good to play. Like you said, hive mind. It'd be like the bees, right? So they're all protecting exactly. the queen, and they all tell each other like telepathically or whatever. Yeah, yeah, bees yeah. are crazy, by the way. Um, anyways, one more thing about the horde is that, like, I, in the lumber yard, I had done so many weird things, like fast travel, got more weapons, came back. That my horde was like just a mess because if you don't reset the game, they like don't stay in the same area, right? They kind of splinter off and stuff, like yeah. chunks of them. Yeah. So I don't know about yours, but mine were all by those um, the Nero Center area with all the lights and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were just like fucking everywhere. Like they weren't together, so I couldn't just run over and throw a bunch of Molotovs. They were like just scattered. So it made it really hard to like take out a bunch at a time. And that's what made it so frustrating for me because I was like, I'll never be able to lump these guys together. Like, yeah, you have the attractor uh, little devices, but that usually only gets like six of them, you know? So anyways. Yeah. It wasn't great. I, I really, that is probably my least favorite thing about the whole game is actually fighting the hordes. I know some people dig it. I thought it was, for me, not what I liked. I didn't get any fun out of it. I, I avoided it as much as possible. Usually I just ran away from the horde and that right. was fine. So yeah. we're, anyway. we're in the hordes weeds. Let's get out and get to the last mission, which uh, like we alluded to earlier, you get to reignite your love with Sarah, which I love that mission. So agreed. Cool. Good mission. Um, Super good and mission. then now you're working together and now fast forward, you've got to get out of there, which is what I thought we were doing at the beginning when I first met her, right? You and I probably both thought we were going to bust I mean, her out of there. That was, that was the plan, but that's yeah. not what happened. So you do that's surprise. The ending, that's what you really are going to do. You're going to get the fuck out of there. And of course, schizo fucking schizo shows back up and ruins everything. I don't know why, by the way, how do you feel about schizo being like such a big part of that ending? I mean, I think it was fine. It was, it was okay. I mean, they needed some way to kind of mess up the camp because you guys were keeping your heads down. Nobody was spilling any beans. You could have easily slipped out of there and that would have been fine for Deacon and Sarah, but it probably would have been for a pretty boring finale. They needed to really amp it up. And you know, you didn't, you never got schizo his justice, right? So you probably were still kind of mad at that dude. I mean, it makes sense. I get why they did it. It was okay. It was maybe not what I would have done, but I, you know, I'm fine with it, I guess. Okay. How about this though? And I know you're not fine about this. You shouldn't be. And if you are, we're no no longer friends, but the fucking quick time event to get schizo. Oh, uh, you know, I was actually wondering about that. It's like, it's like the only 
one of the only quick time events in the game unless you get grabbed by an enemy. If you never get grabbed by an enemy, you never see a quick time event. And that final one, which I thought was like, I mean, whatever. It only took me like, I think, one try or something. But it was still like, mm, I would have rather just shot him like any other enemy. Right. But my point is not that. My point is not that it was easy. Because like, you have the dodge barrels, and then when you get to him, you hit a quick time button. Yeah. The, the point is, it's my biggest frustration besides small text on a Nintendo Switch screen is <laughs> is is um when you get to an end character dying light i'm looking at you yeah dying light and you have honed your skills and you are ready to take out your enemy and it's fucking schizo you let me shoot him or you let me hit him with my machete you let me do whatever i want because i earned it after 60 hours yeah. you don't make me do dodge barrels in a fucking donkey kong all right it is it is definitely not nearly as satisfying to dodge barrels and do a quick time event as it would have been no. to like snipe his eyeball out or hit him with your bat or something. Or that do would anything been, yeah. you would have done to other exactly. people. That, yeah. yeah. So I know, th- I know during this podcast, I've had moments of vitriol. It's only because I care so much. <laughs> um, and then after that, you know, you are basically just escaping, right? Like you are taking off and I guess we're at the end of the game where, um, you've just you you've re- rebuilt the area because you kind of taken over. Well, you're you're cutting out the whole big the big battle at the end where it's like I mean we kind of skipped over it a little bit but basically you escape with Sarah and then what happens is the the military camp with the religious guy comes after you so it becomes a war between the camps. Oh right, between, and the militia starts going between everywhere. The, yeah, between the the military religious camp and Iron Mike's camp at uh, of the pacifists. Uh, definitely not a good conflict there. A lot of people get killed big battle scenes happen and then at the end of that is when you kill schizo so it's a pretty big it's a pretty big build-up it's kind of an epic like epic thing that goes down you think for a while that uh, boozer who i mean just to pause for a second here we've barely talked about boozer in this entire I know. show what's wrong with us i love boozer i think he's a great character he's, he's a great. solid bro he's like your biker buddy he gets his arm cut off halfway through the game, and then he's dealing with that. I mean, we haven't even talked about Boozer, and I feel bad because we don't have time to talk about it now. But I loved Boozer. Like, Deacon and Boozer was, like, great pair. I, I enjoyed every moment of, of how that went down. So, Boozer, Simi- I'm sorry. Yeah, Boozer, get- we're, Boozer, let's call that episode Boozer, we're sorry. Boozer, we're sorry, yes. um, He gets a puppy at some point, and that's adorable. Uh, and you can find a dog toy for the dog, too. Oh, I didn't do that. I didn't get him a dog toy. But he gets an arm that's like Evil Dead and like, you know, he can do things with it. Um, In the beginning. Oh, my God, dude. When he gets an ice cream scoop on his arm, I just about lost it, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, By the way, he, in the beginning, wasn't my biggest annoyance, which is so funny. Just similar to like, I am a bad judge of video game character in this game because I was like, oh, he's at home. He's mad. He's going crazy because he's got this arm. But, yeah, he turns out to be this main staple. Like, you go riding on the bike with him, and the music comes oh, in. Man. Some of the it's talks so you have good. with Boozer are so good. Some of them, like, Boozer's so depressed at some point. Like, he's going to try to kill himself. And it's just, like, this, like, super sad moment. And, 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 and He gets and drunk. The, Remember, he goes, gets, gets yeah, lost. Yeah, he gets and, drunk. Oh. Gets lost. I mean, there's so much good shit that happens with Boozer. It's all really real and just really sad. And, the, like, the whole thing about this is, like, it's these two guys who love each other like brothers, man. Like, they are bros to the end. Like, either one of these guys would be willing to lay down his life for the other one. And yet, they barely say anything other than, you know, like, yeah, bro. And they absolutely will not hug each other. Even, like, when one of them thinks the other one's dead and they got him, you know, come back from life. And, you know, they're, they're so glad to see him. They don't hug because they're tough guys. And that was, like, super frustrating to me, man. I'm like, will you fucking give this guy a hug, please? For the yeah. love of God, give this guy a hug. It's just, like... It's a great relationship. I love Boozer and Deacon. I'm sad that we didn't talk very much about Boozer, but he's a great guy. 
and that that relationship is I think is pretty wonderful. Yeah, well, they hug at the end, I think, and and also like no, they that... don't, do they? Don't, don't they? No, I wanted them to. They didn't. Oh, that's weird. I thought they did. I, in my mind, they did. See, and... um, <laughs> yeah. Also, by the way, I've always said this. I love when games do this, and I hope more games do this, especially open world games. Um, and uh, Red Dead Redemption Two did it really well. I know you won't play that game, but either way when you have these really, really good actual full songs come in, right? Oh, yeah. They yeah. can be so impactful, and they are in this game. One is with Boozer, and the second one is with Sarah, and you're driving, and it's in the snow. You're like, fuck. I was like, fuck my life. This is amazing. I was like, I can't I can't even, is what I said. I just kept explaining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it was done so well, the the mood and, and everything like that. We haven't even talked about the physics and the, and the, um, yeah. uh, the weather and stuff is so done well. But anyways, near the end, you, you know, you are after the whole militia thing happens and you have done the schizo in and you've basically taken over the camp. Now it's time for you guys to take off and go just get the fuck out of here. And essentially the end of the game is you driving, which is awesome. Like the credits yes, are you driving yes, away yes. and feels so cool. And after the credits, there's a little scene. But what is the epilogue stuff as short as you can do? So okay, we're so already at two hours. So that's the end. Um, yeah, we do have a couple of listener comments we're going to get to before we wrap it okay. up. So basically, we're at the end of the game. You rescue Sarah. You go back to Lost Lake Camp, and things are cool. Um, at that point, the game says, hey, there's uh, other stuff to do. I thought that was just general open-world bullshit. But there are actually four pretty pretty important scenes. So the first one is Deacon needs to ride back to the military camp and get his wedding rings back. Uh, in one of the cutscenes, they are taken away from him because nobody is allowed to have jewelry at that camp. Uh, so he goes back tracks the rings down and it just shows like he cares right he, he loves sarah he values his relationship his wedding and he, he's she is important to him so him going back and just for that moment getting those rings i think was a pretty good little scene very brief the second one is you go back to lost lake and you have a funeral for iron mike uh Addie carves him a tombstone out of like some kind of expensive wood uh ricky is there and she tells like a little story they talk about iron mike and like remember him a little bit and they all just kind of stand around and just say, like, even though he made mistakes and even though it really bit him in the end, like, he lived his life the way he wanted to. And he was a good guy. Like, overall, he was a good guy. Like, you know, he may have yelled at you or maybe he was mad at you, but, like, he stood up for you and, and he was there. And he was kind of the central linchpin for everybody at the Lost Lake camp. So that was a pretty good moment. I'm really glad I got to see that moment. Uh, the third epilogue is Lisa, who we mentioned really, really briefly. He, she is the girl that deacon mistakenly takes to the slave camp before he knows it's a slave camp and then he later helps her escape what happens is uh lisa just ends up like running around the woods like like deacon bumps into her every every so often and he tries to get her to settle into camp but she doesn't want to because she's had too many bad experiences uh one of the final times deacon meets her is she gets taken in by the rippers and she starts becoming a ripper but she remembers deacon and all the things that he tried to do for her so she is really how Deacon escapes from the Rippers at this one point, and then she disappears. Um, oh, Deacon I saves did that her. mission. Yeah. Okay. You did. Yeah, Which that one? one. That one. I feel like I did that before the ending. I did. Yeah, I definitely did that one before. Oh the yeah, ending. but there's more. There's more coming though. That's that's oh, the setup. Oh, okay. That is the okay. setup. So Lisa saves you from the Rippers, and then she disappears again. After credits, uh, there's somebody at the gate of the camp, and it's Lisa. She rides up on a motorcycle. She's a former Ripper. She's got like the scars. She looks crazy, and the guards at the gate are trying to kill her because they think she's a ripper, and she's like, I'm not a ripper. Deacon rises up, and he's like, whoa, 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 this is Lisa, I know her. And he vouches for her, and he's talking to her. So it's like in the time between that you see her in the ripper camp and the end of the game, she has like gotten out of the ripper camp, found a motorcycle, got herself some clothes, and she's kind of like becoming a drifter herself. She fears the camps, doesn't want to be close to humans, but she's like 
carving out a life for herself in the wilderness. And Deacon's trying to like, you know, hey, you know, we've got food, we've got shelter and stuff. And she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I want to live my life. And he's like, okay, cool. I'm glad you made it, Lisa. I'm glad you survived. I helped you. Maybe I didn't give you the best help, but I did try to help you. So she survived. She makes it. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, that's an epic story. I mean, that is her journey is the video game. You could like just have a video game about her, you know, it would be pretty cool. And also, she shouldn't trust anyone ever again. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, she, and she doesn't. Like, she yeah. kind of doesn't, which is kind of fine. Yeah. You know, she doesn't settle in the camp. She doesn't trust Deacon 100%. But she, she realizes he meant well and that he did try to help her multiple times. She helped him. And so they've got this kind of, like, uneasy alliance where she's like, I'm not ever going to trust anybody. I'm not going to trust, you know, you. But I, we're kind of friends, maybe. And the fact that she survived from the beginning of the game to the end yeah, was pretty awesome. Cool. Pretty awesome. The final, uh, the final epilogue was with O'Brien. Uh, after fucking you, O'Brien. Fucking O'Brien. After you do a bunch of stuff, O'Brien radios you and he's like, "Hey man, I got to show you something." And you're like, "What the fuck do you want, man? <laughs> like, you make me do all this shit, and you made me work so hard to find my wife, and fuck you, O'Brien." And he's like, Just "Come on, come on, you got to meet me." So what happens is you go to meet him at a at a cemetery, and he's like, "Hey man, all the data that you were getting for me was like really important because the guys who were above me." We're working on some shit like people on my level. We didn't know anything like we were all separated. We didn't know what everybody else was doing. It was all something was going on. Like we all knew something fishy was happening, but we weren't sure what was going on. And what happens is the virus is still mutating. All that stuff you found for me shows how the virus is progressing, but it's going in different ways that we didn't even expect. And at that point, O'Brien takes off his mask and he is mutated. He is like half a freak. That's why his mask was on the whole time. He's white. He's creepy looking he's monstrous and he's like you know we are all changing and there's nothing you can do to stop it it's just a matter of time and this is what's going down and i wanted you to know just as a warning and as he turns away the helicopter starts taking off without o'brien and o'brien gets into like a little animal crouch and like leaps up to the helicopter like a freaker what? and he gets inside the helicopter and they take off and it's just like this scary fucking music starts playing and it's just like this super dark note to end the game on, man. It oh was my nuts. goodness, that is right. a huge one, dude. That is a game-changing one that I did not see. But it definitely added a new spin to the end. I've already deleted the game. I'm never going back to it. But yes, that is intense. <laughs> and also, I don't think it means like, was he implying that everyone is already infected? That kind of a story? I mean, that's kind of what I took from it, but it's kind of left open. It's kind of vague, okay. right? You yeah, don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Wow. Oh, by the way, we didn't. We just we uh, kind of glossed over it. But yeah. Like uh, similar to WandaVision, which is a great show if anybody uh, want to check out an awesome show, sure. WandaVision. Um, in WandaVision, oh, it's a spoiler though. Okay, uh, I don't want... spoil WandaVision. Okay, never mind then. There's... Never mind, drop. I can't say anything I was about to say. Never mind. Continue. Well, one last thing before we wrap up. I think we've kind of done the nuts and the bolts. The final thing, the thing I alluded to earlier, uh, the secret weapon in the game uh, that you have to like, it's like it's it's too many hoops to jump through, right? Like you have to collect like these eighteen pieces of data. And if you don't know what they are, then you're not keeping track of which ones you have. And then by the time you realize what you're doing, you don't remember which ones you got. Which one. It was like a pain in the ass. I didn't do it. But if you do get the 18 pieces of data, what it is is you find uh, Gabe Logan's stun gun. So Gabe Logan being the star of Siphon Filter, one of their original series, uh, he was well known for having a stun gun. That was his signature weapon. So you find a stun gun with his initials, GL, on it. You can equip it. You can stun zombies with it. I saw a video on YouTube. If you stun them long enough, they catch fire and die. Uh, it's not like the greatest weapon. It's not something you're going to bust out against a horde, but it's kind of funny and a cool uh, sh- a throwback, you know, kind of nod to their old games. And it also proves that the universe that Siphon Filter took place in is the same universe for Days Gone because a lot of the data files you can find 
uh, talk about viral infections and viral science. And that was like a big thing about Siphon Filter. They were working on a virus, and most of mm. Gabe's missions were about getting a virus back. So if you connect those dots, maybe Gabe Logan failed his final mission. Uh, the virus gets out of hand, something, something. These guys take it over, and it becomes a zombie virus. So there is definitely a through line. And for longtime fans of Bend, uh, kind of a cool way for them to connect those universes. Nice. And then the extra, extra special thing you can find at the end if you've gotten like 35 pieces is Bugsby 3D. <laughs> he just, Bugsby just shows up and he's like, it was me. I made all this happen. It was me all along. All right, yeah. dude. I think we're at the end of our show. I think, Fuck. I feel like I've said my piece. Do you feel like you've said your piece? Yeah. My final thought is this, though. I want to have a final thought. Um, yes. Two hour podcast done. And I do think we said everything. And again, sorry, Boozer. We we love you. Oh, and, man. Uh, yeah, we should have talked about uh, Boozer more. We should have talked about Boozer more. But I'll say this. The game, why I like it a lot, is not only the character development and just like the realism that we all talk about in the world as well as the characters. But the fact is, because it surprised us, because it confused us, because it made us mad and then also happy, at the end of it, when I when credits are rolling, I'm like, it's like life. It's messy. Like, this game is messy. And I was like, that is also like life. Life is not like a video game. Like, at times, yeah, it is. And we could say we're living in a simulation, et cetera, et cetera. But it is still chaotic and confusing. And you don't know what's going to happen. And you don't know if you're winning, you know, <laughs> or, or doing well sometimes. And that's what this game felt like. When it was finished, I was tired. I mean, definitely exhausted. And that's kind of how I feel like in life, right? You're like... I, I this character this person i didn't want to believe in now i do believe in this person i didn't think i would be friends with i just had to give them the benefit of the doubt and actually now we've had a lot of experiences together and they're my best friend so it just felt like and this is a high praise uh it felt like a game that felt like life and it felt messy at times and dark and hurtful but it it just felt like life yeah, that is a good point. And, and much like life, like these characters are really what brought it to life, right? Like, I mean, the depth of the portrayals, the performances, the voice acting, like something that we totally have not even fucking mentioned. And we're already at the end of this fucking two hour podcast. The goddamn the goddamn performances and the facial capture of these characters is incredible. I know that like Naughty Dog gets all the props for like, you know, facial capture and games and stuff. And they do a good job and all that. But like watching these characters, there were so many times when Deacon would just like squint a certain way or he'd like shrug a certain way or like yeah. Boozer would give you this look on his face where it said, it said like everything about how he was feeling, right? You didn't have to hear him say anything because you could just look at him and you would know like he was feeling like done or he was feeling frustrated or whatever, or like the little glances that Ricky gives you where, I mean, how incredible is it that here's this person who's kind of like testing the waters to see if maybe she's interested in you or not, maybe not. And just you get like all that from just like a look or just like a tilt of her shoulder or something yeah. like the way that they were able to capture those performances was amazing. And I really love this cast. I think I, I mean, I loved every character in this cast. I think it's a great series of performances. This game does not get nearly enough credit for how human the characters are, how well they capture the emotion, uh, the facial features, the, the body language, and also just like the scripting and the writing. Like even though there's a few bumps and bruises, a few weird choices here and there, a few truncated parts overall. What an amazing production. Like, I was so taken. And honestly, that's what carried me through, right? If, if, if the performances weren't this strong, if I didn't love this cast so much, I probably wouldn't have finished it because it's like 80 hours of killing zombies. dude. That's a lot of game. And, you know, maybe it's fun, maybe it's not, or maybe it's not quite that fun. 
But really, I was so invested. I was so sold on Deacon and Boozer and Ricky and Iron Mike and everybody else. And I wanted to see what was going to happen. And I wanted to help them get through this whole thing. That was really what pulled me all the way to the end. And honestly, by the time I got to the end, I could have played more, dude. Like, if there was more story, I would have fucking done it. And gladly. So, I mean, that, to me, coming from me, is pretty high praise, knowing that I'm like Mr. Fucking Short Game, right? Yeah. yeah and also, you get to play more because they're making another game. They'll be doing this again. And hopefully, they'll knock it out of the park as well. Oh man, um, I gotta I gotta be honest with you, dude. I'm like after after playing this game and I love this game, I'm like, okay, I don't want to play anything like this. I'm gonna stay away from long games for, for like the next six months. I'm gonna play just short games. Hopefully by the time that Days Gone 2 comes out, I will be refreshed and revitalized and ready to jump back in because like I, I don't want to play another one of these back to back. Which is so funny because we're opposite uh in lots of different ways. And and I'm like texting you immediately like I'm jumping back into a huge open world game. You are a because, crazy person. Because uh like when I finish an RPG, I like end up going to another RPG right away. I don't know. I do have a problem. But uh, the last thing I'll say is to uh to echo your point about the performances. We got to talk about, like, again, the actors and actresses. Like, so good. So good. Th- like, so many games. I'm not even thinking about the actors, right? Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I just like, killed a bunch of people or whatever. But, like, this, even like the people who I didn't like, like, whoever played that, you know, I, I, forgive us for not knowing all your, your names, but you just Google it. Um, you know, even the scientists, the, all the different people. You're like, wow, that performance was believable. Like, totally believable. Yeah, they were all great. Top-notch stuff. And they, the game just does not get enough credit for it. Days gone. We played it. We're gone now. We're, we deleted that motherfucking thing. It's off the drives, right? I and, Yes. I did everything I was ever going to do and completed it, like, 99.9%, and I'm good. That is deleted off my hard drive now. But, man, what a great time. And um, you've already probably beat it because you're listening to the spoiler cast so uh yeah it was fun to go through it with you so we are at the end of our podcast um we got some comments from listeners i will say this was an interesting thing because uh usually we get tons and tons of responses when we ask for these responses but boy i had to really like search high and low for people to respond um i don't know exactly what it was maybe people did not play days gone maybe they had a bad experience and bounced when it was on weaker hardware or I don't know what, but like we didn't get super many responses, but we will read the ones. Carlos, as you were speaking, I emailed you a list of the responses. Check your email if you're near your email dispenser. Okay. We can take turns reading these. We'll go through. We did get some responses, and thank you to everybody who responded. Really grateful for that. Um, we're going to take turns going through these, maybe a quick comment or two, and then we're going to wrap it up. Did you get the, receive that email, Carlos? I'm sure I did, unless some sort of email gremlin uh, or email freaker. Unless that email had to drive through a horde of freakers. Or if he had to go through a horde, then I definitely didn't get it. Definitely did not get it. I don't have enough Molotovs. Okay, yep. So you want to get started off? I'll start it off, and then we'll just go back and forth, back and forth. Good? Yep. All right. First one comes from Daz Wright from Twitter. He says, I've made it to the final third of Days Gone, and you're right. A massively underrated game. I think, in many ways, I am enjoying it more than The Last of Us Part Two, And boy, that makes two of us. Oh, yeah. Easily for us. Easily. Too. Yeah. Uh, at Zolbrod says, I've been playing through this recently about 10 hours in. It looks and runs great on the PS5. Sure does. But I can't say I'm enjoying it much. Now, around that time, by the way, for Zolbrod is when I started noping out, too. So maybe after listening to this, uh, if you did listen to it. 
give it another chance. The stealth and combat are fun enough, but the missions are boring and the exploration doesn't feel rewarding at all. It's very generic and unoriginal. Mind you, I felt the same way about The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, which uh, feel very similar. I'm not really sold on the story and the characters either. I would say Zolbrod, I think we said it in this podcast, but it's definitely early days because this game's so long that I would say maybe give it another shot. Yeah, maybe give it a shot, knowing that it takes a little while. I mean, I was hooked from the beginning, so I, I don't share that feeling. But, you know, I mean, I spent like 80 hours, so, you, so you've only seen like an eighth of the game. So, I mean, you know, I don't want somebody to play a game they don't like, but, you know, just no, keep that in mind. But to, to, to their point, like, it definitely is the beginning, like, a lot of just running around doing the same stuff, and Boozer's at home, right? So, yeah, it takes a minute. Uh, next comment comes from Frank at Onyx Oblivion. He says, it is firmly a game I keep meaning to play when it's on PS Plus, but then it got vaulted to PS5. It's already there as part of the instant game collection for PS5 things, so I guess I'm waiting for it on PS4, which probably isn't happening because it's on PS5. So Frank is having some feelings. But to put it directly, he says, it is a game I am in no rush to play and in no rush to pay for, but I would actually try it. There's a there's a similarity here. Like you said, it was hard to get responses. And it's uh, there's just like an interesting like blank spot or blind spot I should say for this game and like in the industry I don't know hopefully yeah. we're like shining a light on it because it's fucking incredible um, Atlas never blinks at lit grew it was good I liked the way the systems and encounters could overlap in the open world the hordes were impressive and I liked the loudspeakers oh those fucking loudspeakers <laughs> the loudspeakers so I, what he's referring to is there's these little science stations that you need to uh, take over. They, they hold upgrades for Deacon inside. Uh, but the way that you do that is you have to turn the electricity back on to unlock the doors. But when you turn on the electricity, all these loudspeakers come roaring to life and then hordes come piling in. So you very quickly learn you have to disable the loudspeakers before you turn the power back on. And it's kind of a mini game because the developers got really good at hiding the loudspeakers. Like sometimes yeah. they'd be up on a post, across the street, under a box or whatever. And if you missed even one, it was like, oh, fuck. By, by the way, Christ. real quick tangent. I know we're yes. at time, but I it, very late in the game did I realize you could shoot those. Oh, really? What? Yeah, <laughs> I thought you just had to go up in quick quick time event, like little cut them because you can. Like, oh yeah, you push. There's, there's a box. bunch that you can't reach, like they're up on posts and stuff. Well, then I, I missed those until I started oh. learning I could shoot them. <laughs> you, yeah, you definitely got to shoot those ones. Uh, all right, next up, uh, Patty Stardust says, "My own experience with Hi Patty, by the way, I love Patty Stardust. One of my favorite people on Twitter." Uh, my own experience was less than favorable. Moving around the bike was just okay. Wouldn't say I was having a bad time, but a bland one. The straw that broke the camel's back was after spending 20 minutes clearing out a med station area, which is exactly what we just talked about. Quickly and quietly, I thought it was cleared enough to enter, but it turns out I had missed one loudspeaker on the other side of the road. And the zombies descended, big dead, lost all my progress, deleted, not for me, this one. Yeah, I can see how that can make you frustrated. Yeah, that can be rough. Uh, at sleeperhead79, I'm loving it so far. Haven't been able to play as much as I'd like because of baby and spending time with my lovely, smart, funny, non-gamer wife. Um, in, in parentheses, nobody's perfect. But it is definitely an underrated gem. Sadly, I won't be able to listen to this spoiler cast for a bit. Yeah, uh, you, so you're not hearing us talk about this, but um, I can't wait for you to play it longer. Yep, and I did tell Gabriel uh, that he can listen to the first half. I love Gabriel, great guy on Twitter, one of my favorite people, always ready with a joke, which I appreciate. Uh, next comes Brian M. Welch. He says, started playing it based on your comments. I'm only a couple hours in, but very pleasantly surprised how good it is so far. All right, and a big one at the end. Oh, no, wait, two more. Uh, Bailey King Gamer, sure. 
Wait, sure. Was this an is answer? me asking if uh, no? This was me asking for comments, and she came back and said, "Sure, you know." Like, okay, yes, got, got it. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, I could talk about it forever, and I could fill an entire cast with my ranting. You already know my feelings on the game, and you are welcome to use anything we talked about, but or be it publicly or privately. Great story, impressive hordes, as well as their functions. Definitely needed more accessibility. It was released without any uh, and patched in three months later. All right, so now is a good time to play it then. It does have those patches. Also, there originally was a bug that caused Deacon to scream bear randomly while driving around. I doubt it's important for the cast, but it tickled me every time. Deer Uh, crossing. Yes. So a little context. Bailey uh, and I talked about uh, Days Gone at length. She was DMing me, so we were kind of taking it offline, so we weren't spoiling people. But she is a super fan of the game. I think she's working on a, a second playthrough. And she, you know, she had lots of wisdom to share, so I really appreciated her insights. And she got me through some of the hordes and stuff. So great person, Bailey King Gamer on Twitter. Um, she mentioned the bear bug. I did not mention the bear bug, but one thing that struck me really funny was, I don't know about you, dude, but, like, I found that Deacon mentioned deer crossing, like, an unnatural amount of times. Like, yeah. It was it was ridiculous how many times he mentioned deer crossing. You'd be driving on your bike, he'd be like, "Deer crossing, huh? That would have been bad news when cars were still around." Or like he he said this like shit like that like so many yeah. times. I'm like, "Fuck the deer crossing, okay? Let it go. It's fine." It's funny because I did they did cross though a lot, and I could almost hit them like so many times. But yeah, he said that that little audio trigger they 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 messed it up somehow it was on for too many yeah times. it was it was way too common it was it was like comically often is, is what he said uh final comment is from omar c555 says after hearing you guys talk about it for the past few episodes my interest in the pc port went from eh to i'm gonna buy it when it's released cool yeah hopefully that did uh the same thing by listening to this whole show whoever's listened to it um, we just really like it. I don't know. I think that's what we're saying. <laughs> I think this was a great, probably one of my all-time favorite open-world experiences. I love the cast. Uh, I loved everything about it. I had a great time. Would have gladly played another 20 hours of it if it was there. I just I just really vibed with this game pretty hard, and it seems like you really enjoyed it too. So I guess the only thing left is just to thank uh, Ben Studios for creating such a great game, and uh, I really hope that they you know, carry it forward. I mean, I would love to see more of this world. And I mean, apparently they're working on a sequel. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and all my frustrations, like I said, during the podcast that we just did, me yelling and swearing was because I cared so much, you know, it's, it's yeah. such a good game. And when things stick out that are annoying or weird, uh, it's just because I like all the other parts so much. Yeah, absolutely. Even when, when something is nearly perfect, the smallest imperfection can stand out so strong. So yeah, yeah for sure. All right. All right. All We're right. out of gas. We're, We're out, out of gas. gas. Oh, the gas tank is empty. We got to walk from yeah. here. And hopefully there's not too many freakers between us and the next gas station. Folks, thank you so much for listening. This is, I think, maybe one of the longest episodes we've ever done, two and a half hours. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Thank you for listening to our Days Gone A to Z spoiler cast. Uh, as always, hit us up with your thoughts, comments, feedback, whether it's on this game or any other one. We'd love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at SoVideoGames. You can also hit us up individually. Carlos, where can people find you this week? Just uh, YouTube.com slash a lot of things. As for me, same as always, Twitter and Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for this mammoth episode, episode number 255, a big one, a big one, but deservedly so. Thank you again for joining us here at So Video Games. And we will be back to the normal ep- uh, episode. Episode? No, we'll be back podcast? to the normal format. Format. Normal podcast. No, God, I'm, well, my brain is tapped. 
My, it's okay. I'm, your I'm gas empty. is out. You need a gas. Gas is tank. out. I'm done. I'm spent. I got to get back. By the way, anyone who made it this far, you're a super fan, and you get to find out that we probably will do a live uh, stream test next episode. That's true. We gave, yeah. We'll talk about it on Twitter, but you're hearing about it first here. You may be able to tune in to us uh, live and uh, maybe even Q&A or something like that. We'll see what happens. So, All right. In the meantime, I hear a bunk calling my name. Get it? What? That's a quote from the game. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Deacon oh. says it all the time. It, okay. I missed it. Boozer says it also. Fucking O'Brien. Fucking, Fucking O'Brien. <laughs> okay. This is goodbye from Brad. And this is Bear With Us. We'll be back before you know it. Ear crossing. Bear with me. That's not bad. That's not as bad as my other ones. <laughs>